welcome to the Yak Sports Podcast with Joe Deck and Leland McRae. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another episode of the Yak Sports Podcast. I'm Joe Deck. Leland McRae is with me as usual. Leland, Did you accept any jobs this week? Did you get any more jobs? No, just the VCU one from last week. But thanks. Just the one. Just the one. Come on, man. You need to be accepting a new job every week. Uh, well, Who else can you be the voice of? Uh, let's talk about it. Yeah, let's let's call some people. <laughs> yeah, if you need broadcasting, let me know. I'm an independent contractor, so we can make it work. Um, but Buffalo Gap uh, played Wilson Memorial on Thursday because of the storms. And so we, I was at uh, Fishersville with Chip. We called this game on ESPN 1240. Buffalo Gap jumped out to a 24-0 lead, and Buffalo Gap stayed up 24 points the most, most of the night and ended up beating Wilson Memorial. Wilson Memorial got close, had a chance to make it an eight-point game at one point toward the fourth quarter, elected to go for two to try to make it a seven-point game. Didn't get it, so then it's a nine-point game, and Buffalo Gap immediately scores to get it back to a three-score game just like that, and yeah. it just kind of unraveled for Wilson. This was a game where Buffalo Gap asserted themselves early and was fairly dominant the whole night. And, I, again, I will hand up. I didn't give Buffalo Gap enough credit earlier in the year. They've proved me wrong time and time again. They look good. Right now they're sitting pretty at that number two spot in 1B, and it looks good. Good for Buffalo Gap. Yeah, it, it looks nice this week. Uh, we'll talk about what their PowerPoints are going to do coming up, and, and the same for Wilson. But just as the district sits, I mean, that's a great win for Buffalo Gap because they lost to Wilson just last spring. I think Wilson all had all that momentum. Um, you know, this is a game that early in the season, I think when Gap's losing to Larray by a point and Wilson's beaten some teams. I think maybe Wilson was a better team at that time, but here at the end of the season, when it matters the most, I always talk about peaking at the right time because that's, you know, what I grew up in hearing was peaking at the right time. Buffalo Gap's doing that, and so they're trying to maximize what they can do with these playoffs. Yeah, they're in one B. They're still looking at Riverheads again, but if they can hold on to the, I mean, they're going to be this two or three seed. They're not going to fall outside of that. We'll talk about exactly where they're going to wind up in a second. But, hey, that means they can avoid Riverheads until um, the region championship. And that's that's a win. So they, they have a chance to play one or two playoff games ahead of that and really maximize what they can do. And then get in a one game against Riverheads and see what happens. Neither you or I think it'll go well for Gap. But, hey, that's all you can do is get there to play. you gotta you got to get to that game. And so um, that's the road they have ahead of them. I think this is a big piece of that. This really helps that power ranking. And then also just the confidence level moving forward and reestablishing themselves. And I think it has to be great for Wygett, you know, going over to Buffalo Gap and beating the team he came from. So I was happy for him in that. So just a lot of positives for Buffalo Gap there. A lot of negatives for Wilson, and we'll, we'll talk more about that. I was at Riverheads, Stanton. Uh, obviously, this has been two straight weeks of 56-7. Uh, to seven for Riverheads winning over Fort Defines and the two bottom teams in the Shenandoah district. But, you know, the highlight was Triple C. Uh, it's been established now. Mr. Bradley upstairs in the press box has established the, the second coming of Triple C. His older brother was also Triple C, one heck of a wrestler. Uh, but here's Caden Cook-Cash just getting to the end zone any way he can. Whenever he gets the football in his hands, he's just looking end zone. He's going to run people over, drag people there. He, he ran the ball in twice on punt returns, one for 54 yards and one for 55 yards. And uh, that was just uh, the highlight of the game. I mean, the defense was what defense does, but 
just Caden Cook Cash just put his statement on the game and all the different running backs got touchdowns. And it, it was just a typical Riverheads game. But, hey, it's going to get tougher this week with the draft game coming uh, than it's been these last couple weeks. How much tougher we'll find out Friday. Uh, Stewart's draft, Florida finds not much to talk about there other than Aaron Nice continues his absolute tear of scoring the football. You know, I look at the carries and they're spreading the ball around. It's just Aaron Nice has that nose for the end zone. He five more touchdowns in this game against Fort Defiance. He's gonna he's trying to catch up with everybody else's that they didn't get three games in drafted, and so he's trying to catch up on the touchdown on the scoring side. Uh, that's eighteen touchdowns in these last four district uh, football games. That's that's a heck of a run. Yeah, draft is definitely looking like a team that is starting to pick up their stride a little bit which is good and uh, yeah it's four mm, sure but five touchdowns in a in a football game is good no matter who you're playing 169 yards and Stewart's draft is trying to get everything and trying to get all those cylinders running as they get ready to play Riverheads here this week I think it's easy to look at that like like I kind of did I think two weeks ago like just assuming they're just feeding air nice but Grigsby's getting carries Ballsers getting carries they're spreading the ball around it's just He's, he's finding his way in there. Uh, the highlight of last week wasn't the games that we were at or that we've already talked about. It was Waynesboro. And it's been a while we, since we've been this positive about Waynesboro. It was early in the season. Even when they were losing some of those games, we were still positive on Waynesboro. And here they are going up to Turner Ashby, the pride of the Valley District, the team that preseason favorite still had a good chance at winning the Valley District, uh, still does actually, uh, winning the Valley District. And here is Waynesboro going in there and winning that football game, not in last second steal it fashion, going up, holding the lead, keeping the lead, and putting them away. I, I was just so happy for Waynesboro, for Barber, for everybody, everybody involved there. I'm just glad that they're, they're capping this season off the right way. Well, this is something, you know, I knew they could do. Um, I picked them in our picks, uh, something I knew yeah. they could do as, as they went into the night, and, and they did it. Uh, Turner Ashby came off a loss to Harrisonburg two weeks ago. I, you know, you wonder how much of that they carried into this game because they did fall behind to Waynesboro. Waynesboro got out to a lead, and as you said, they held on and and beat TA, and they even pulled away there again at the end yeah. after TA got it close. And, you know, I, I, look, Waynesboro, we said after uh, the Rockbridge game, playoffs start now, yeah. and so far – so good. I mean, they beat Spotswood and a little bit closer than you would have wanted, maybe. Uh, but then they they come out and they beat TA. They've got another great game against Broadway coming up. It's a lot of power points. You need to have it to probably make the playoffs. So playoffs, again, still going on for Waynesboro. The, the playoffs started before everyone else's playoffs. And for the Little Giants, I, I don't rule them out of that game necessarily. I, I think they have a great oh, shot of no. beating Broadway. The Valley District is, you know, just an entire novel of Jekyll and Hyde there uh, as you go through the chapters of the Valley District with those teams. And, yeah, if Waynesboro catches Broadway on one of their bad nights and Waynesboro takes care of business and is doing what they need to do, getting Ryan Barber involved, getting uh, Powell involved, and Blake Jones having an okay game, not turning over the football, yes, Waynesboro has a great shot in that one too. So let's start with the PowerPoint talk right here in 3C. Uh, the new PowerPoints came out Monday, and one through six didn't move. Even though there was some losses in there, Rockbridge has lost two straight, TA's lost two straight, neither of those teams moved in their rankings. Uh, just some of their numbers have gotten tighter. 
what has been established is those top three teams are going to stay the top three teams. But then it's <laughs> anybody's guess after that from Broadway down, um, going down those rankings. Uh, that's talking about uh, from four down. Broadway, Rockbridge County, Turner Ashby, Rustburg, Waynesboro, and even Wilson and Stanton. And we'll skip down to Fluvanna in a minute too. But all those teams have a chance to make the playoffs. Where we get is Waynesboro is the team we were just talking about. Uh, they play Broadway. If they can beat Broadway, they're in. They're sitting at the eighth spot right now, beating the number four Broadway, who already has five wins on the season. That would have them in the playoffs, could move them potentially up to number six. They're not going to go past Broadway. Broadway's still going to stay ahead of them. Uh, that's just the, the product of the losses that Waynesboro's already had. Yeah. But they'll be in if they win, and that's a great thing. Um, and then there's traffic behind them they're going to they're going to be watching out for. Some of that traffic is our two other local teams, Wilson and Stanton. Those two teams are playing for the hope of a playoff spot. The winner, I think should be in because I'm assuming Rustburg who is sitting currently at the number 7 spot. Mm-hmm. I don't think they're going to go to Brookville and win the game or, or play I'm not sure where the game's at, but I don't think they're going to beat Brookville. I have no reason to think they'll beat Brookville who is 5 and 3 on the season, but that's a, a dominant team. That's one of those top 3 teams. Unless they're resting players for some reason, I don't see Rustburg pulling that game out. So I think that gives the Wilson Stanton winner a really good chance to win that game and feel good about being in the playoffs right there. What they're going to want to do is root against Rustburg and then root for all your riders and root against all of Rustburg's riders. That's that's really the whole plan of it there. Looking behind those teams, I don't think Charlottesville really has a chance. I know they're playing a Monticello team that they can win against, but Monticello doesn't give them a lot of power points to beat them. Liberty Bedford playing Jefferson Forest, same deal. That's a winless team. Not a lot of power points there. What you got to watch out for is if Fluvanna County can find a win against Almaro, which ain't going to happen. If somehow that occurs, that would be one of the lower teams that you would just have to watch up to flying up there, getting a whole lot of power points if they beat a 7-2 and Albemarle team. I don't see that happening. So I really do think Stanton or Wilson is going to get in the playoffs. And Waynesboro, even with the loss, could still find their way in. It, they will have no control over their destiny. They'll be absolutely rooting against other teams' riders and rooting for their riders, but they'll be right around that eight spot. Um, to, honestly, just before you start going to the variable riders, Waynesboro would be .1 outside of the playoffs. So it's at, you can make that up in riders, but dependent on those, those riders is just a place you don't want to be. So that's, that's the story of 3C. Okay, but let's say let's say Waynesboro loses. The riders they yep. need then are going to be Rustburg's riders to lose, but they're going to need right. Stanton and TA to win, right? If they want a shot, because Fort's not going to win. Yeah, Stanton winning is better for Wayne a losing Waynesboro because uh, Stanton is is just going to be a little bit behind what Wilson can do with that win. They'll just they'll have those a couple points back, a couple tenths of a points back. So they will want Stanton to lose. What was the other one you asked? Uh, they'll need TA. But that's also what I'm saying is it's also riders because Waynesboro's beaten Stanton. So that's rider help. They don't get rider yeah. help with Wilson. Yeah. They don't get rider help with. Not, I mean, you, they've already counted that point. You know, when, when you get two teams playing each other that you've already beaten or lost, you're, you want the team you beat to win. So right. Waynesboro so the Stanton helps. Win, Wilson like does saying. not. Yeah. And then also. The you need TA to beat Rockbridge. All the way to the beginning of the season. You go back the whole Waynesboro schedule, and every team that they've played this year, 
that you want them to win, and if you beat them, you really want them to win. And, and then, I mean, I have all the lists on my computer, and I'm not going to bore the audience with listing off these teams, but that, that's the way it works. You know, every game you've played this season will matter this week because, and it does every week, that's the way these PowerPoints work, but you're looking back to game one through game nine and what PowerPoints you can get out of them. There's some that just cancel each other out and, and you're getting points either way, it doesn't matter. But where you can pick up points is, is really what matters. I promise you I have all this figured out, but uh, there's, there's no point in going through uh, you know, the 50 teams that matter to the 3C playoffs right now. Just know, Waynesboro wins, they're going to be in. Wilson, yeah, so just Stanton, win. Whoever wins, going to be in. Most likely going to be in. Uh, not as confident as what the Waynesboro is, but I, I don't see a way that Wilson or Stanton, the winner of that game, doesn't get in. So, Unless Rustburg uh, does something crazy. Yeah, Rustburg doing something crazy or Fluvana doing something crazy is, is really what you got to watch out for. Sure. Okay. It's not kind of nice. You got that TA Rockbridge game in front of you. So, you know, someone's going to be in the mix there, but one of them's going to establish themselves higher. So you're not taking a spot from you. So that's 3C. Jumping down to 2B, uh, we got Stuart Straff. They are the one seed. They remain the one seed. The biggest story out of the PowerPoints this week is that they finally awarded that forfeit victory to Stuart Straft over Loray. So we saw Stuart Straft get two wins in this, this week of PowerPoint <laughs> and Loray uh, actually get two losses. And so Loray sits at that six seed. I, th- I think they were there last week, but now they're four and four record. And now Stuart Straft does show that seven, one record with the BHSL. I, I thought it was very important for Stuart Straft. If they didn't have that this week, I was giving up on that Loray forfeit. I said, if they yeah. didn't award it by now, it ain't happening. You're not going to surprise everybody in the last week and do that. Um, so I'm glad it's there for Stuart Strath's sake, but they have the toughest opponent of everybody we're talking about yeah. today and it's Riverheads. So, you know, if they win their one seed, stop talking about it. Nothing to worry about. You control your destiny. If you win <laughs> to have that one seed, simple as that. If they lose, then you got this Clark County and the winner of Strasburg central Woodstock mess to figure out. And as I told you, I had 3C all figured out and everything written out and all the possibilities. I don't have that for 2B yet because I'm not doing it until uh, Strasburg plays East Rock on Tuesday night. After that, I'll have something together. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to figure out how to put this out simply on Twitter from the Exports Podcast Twitter page. So look out for that if you're really wondering about all these scenarios. But know that Stuart Straff's going to be in a mess with Clark County, who plays Page, Page. County. And they're going to have the winner of the Central Woodstock Strasburg game, which doesn't happen until Saturday. So as much hype as we're going to give these PowerPoints today, as much as we're going to give it on Friday when we're on the radio, we're not going to know to be until Saturday, until it's over. But by that time and after Friday night, we'll, we'll know kind of the two directions. If, if Strasburg wins, it means this. If Central wins, it means this. Uh, there's still a chance that Stuart Strath will be able to have the one seed even with a loss but they're going to have to have some help and they won't be controlling that destiny just on there. And it's going to come down to riders. And, um, and so just off the cuff, Strasburg's going to want Strasburg to lose Tuesday and then win on Saturday. That's, that's the way they want that to go. (laughs) Yeah. And then in one B, uh, one B's fairly simple. Yeah. Riverheads is the one seed. Don't need to talk about that. They're likely going to face a Sussex central or Surrey in the region semifinal, uh, two teams that they have some history with. Uh, Buffalo Gap, they are certainly currently at the two seed. Tonight, on Monday night, 
Uh, we still had Buckingham going to take on Central Lunenburg. So that results really, really does matter for Central Lunenburg. But anyway, I spin it. Gap needs Central Lunenburg to lose this week. Central Lunenburg plays an Amelia team this week that is has seven wins. Buffalo Gap is playing a fourth team. And yes, they are a class three team, but they only have one victory on the season. So Central Lunenburg is going to have the advantage in the PowerPoint points right off the cuff that if they both win, Central Lunenburg is going to pass it back up and be to that number two seed. So Buffalo Gap, take care of your own business against Fort. That doesn't sound hard, but then you're rooting for Amelia to beat Central Lunenburg, and that's how you're going to get the two seed that you guys won out there, and, and you should win. It's a bye week. That's huge. And so it just kind of comes down to, to that scenario there. Root against Amelia County. Got to take care of your business. Root, root for Amelia County. Yeah, root for right. Amelia County. Root for Amelia County. Root against Central Lunenburg. Yep. And then you'll play Central Lunenburg, hopefully, at Buffalo Gap, and then you'll beat them. Yeah, off rest. Off rest. <laughs> off the bye week. River Reds is the one seed, no matter what. One right. seed, no matter what. Yep. Right. Okay. I thought you'd said that, just making sure we touched all the bases there. All right, Leland, that's enough of the gridiron. Let's head back I, to the hardwood. I can give you more PowerPoint talk. I, I, I know all these. No, thanks, nerd. We'll do it later. Uh, <laughs> let's, talk about, let's talk about volleyball uh, for Fort Defiance. They look to be uh, – well, no, they did. They, they ended the Shenandoah Over. District yeah. undefeated. Unfortunately for them, their goal isn't a Shenandoah District title. It's state tournament in volleyball, and they did get some bad news when the Region 3C volleyball bracket came out. They are the three seed, which means they're hosting Wilson in the first round. But Rockbridge is the two seed, which means they will face them in a semifinal and not in a final. Yeah, that, that was the big thing. After last spring when the volleyball team did really well, and then they only took one team from each region. That, that was one of those, hey, they made it to the region final, but, hey, they're odd men out. Now they're the two, three seed with Rockbridge being the two seed, and it's just, it's just the bad luck that Rustburg is good like usual, but – yeah, it just stinks for Fort Defiance. They have to go through Rockbridge to get to the state tournament, and uh, that just, ah, it just stinks. So you got to take care of it. You got to get to that game. As much as I, I talked about that earlier with uh, whatever team I was talking about, you got to get to the game. Here's Fort Defiance. <laughs> got to take care of Wilson, which you have already this season twice. Yeah. And then, you know, I don't know how many times straight they've lost to Rockbridge, but they're due sometime, right? Yeah, this Hey, 99 times out of 100, just the one time, Fort Defiance. One time. It's going to be in the semifinal. You'll beat Rockbridge, and then you'll beat Rustburg. And so you'll have the top happens. seed out of three seed, because that's what – that's if you will it, dude, it is no dream, to quote uh, the greatest movie ever made. <laughs> but um, – So that happens – all this – the whole tournament happens this week. So Monday was some, some of the early games. Tuesday is when Wilson and Ford's going to take each other on. Mm-hmm. And then this monster matchup that we were talking about Thursday night uh, should be happening at Rockbridge County, uh, expecting Fort Defiance to be in that game. So Thursday night is the night to fire up the NFHS network and watch that one or make your way down to Rockbridge. So mm-hmm. go for it. I want them so bad in that state tournament. I do too. Let's go. Let's get it done. I believe in Coach Leonard and those girls at Fort Defiance. They're going to get it done. Um, to be- 2B, Stewart's Draft, mm-hmm. they were the only 2B team. They are already eliminated. They got swept out tonight by Central Woodstock, the one seed. So all the Shenandoah teams 
which is only search draft, are out of the playoffs there into B. Let's look at Region 1B. I thought last week Riverheads was going to be able to overtake Buffalo Gap to get that two seat. They did not. It's just the, the difference of power points there. Uh, it was a fraction of a power point. So Riverheads did have to play Rappahannock County on Monday night. They did win. They swept them. So now that sets up a Thursday monster matchup. Riverheads at Buffalo Gap, out in Swope, Thursday night for a semifinal, for a trip to the region final. And that this is a great example. We talked about it in football, those teams potentially meeting. Here's one that's official. And, and this was an exciting thing that we had when Buffalo Gap went to Region 1B. We said, hey, some of these playoff matchups between these teams are going to be epic. I think we're due for one here. Both these teams had some success this season. Uh, Buffalo Gap's mostly early, and then they took their troubles through the district season. Riverheads got stronger as the year went on and, and definitely closed out very strong. Um, and beat Gap just uh, two weeks ago, I think. So, uh, but it sets up a really big matchup, and, and I'm excited about that Thursday. I'm, I'm trying to figure out if I'm going to go to it or not. Uh, but no matter what, I'm going to be watching it on NFHS Network, if not. So, yeah. uh, it's going to be a big one. No, I think you're right. And uh, this is going to be a huge matchup. It, unfortunately, our two teams are going to have to, one of them is going to have to get knocked out before the region championship, which yeah. means that yeah. we can't see them both in the region or in the state tournament. Uh, but, you know, Whoever wins that matchup, obviously we will be rooting against a likely matchup against Alta Vista. Yeah, and I think Alta Vista, that matchup in the, in the region final, will show that uh, that semifinal game probably featured the two best teams in this region. Wow. I said it. I said it. Leland really doesn't like Alta Vista, and that's probably because they just play a lot of good teams. Um, but <laughs> Hey, they, they know how to play good teams. Yeah, they don't ever beat any of them, but they play a lot of them. So that's a football quote. Uh, the volleyball team, to be the number one team in the region, probably beat some really good teams. But, yeah, it's Alta Vista football for you. They play a lot I, of good teams. I mean, Riverheads has won this region four years in a row now, and I think they played Alta Vista every single one of them, and I don't think it's been close, but that's fine. Yeah, we'll see what happens. All right. Let's, we'll see what happens. Let's talk about cheerleading now. Yeah, we got draft of – you know, did what they said they were going to do, and they won Region 2B up at East Rock last Wednesday. So they advanced to the state tournament. They win their, uh, what was that, fourth region in five seasons. Uh, I, I think uh, last spring was still this year, but right. we'll call it seasons here. And then Riverheads, like they did last year, won the Western sectional. Uh, they don't have to compete against that many teams for that because there's only so many teams in Class 1. Uh, but then now they have to go compete against the Class 2 teams but get to do it at the state tournament. So we'll have Draft and Riverheads competing for the same trophy. They'll join Fort Defiance and uh, Wilson Memorial. No, 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 Fort Defiance, excuse me, that advanced to states, just Fort yes. Defiance. Uh, so that we'll have three teams, one uh, one at each level, but the Stewart's Draft Riverheads will be competing for that same Class 1 slash Class 2 trophy. So um, it's going to be a fun day at the Siegel Center this weekend. It will be. It'll be a great competition and uh... – yeah, I mean, I, you have here in in the highlighted portion, and I would agree. I, I think Stewart's draft has got to be considered the favorite yeah. there in the cheerleading competition again. And uh, we're you, hoping that you they win can that bring many a state, state titles recently. Yeah. You're going to be the favorite. Yeah. Hoping they can bring home another state championship to Augusta County. Yeah, I, I definitely hope they can. Uh, I mean, they know what it takes. They know yeah. the level that they have to perform at to to win that thing. And um, we'll hope Fort does too. By the way, hopefully we get two. Yeah, for, yeah, we're greedy in Augusta County. And, and, I just, and, I just want two. Just give me two. 
You want two. You have to have two. I mean, we can only we can only have two. So <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, I won't ask for three because it's not possible. So give me two. <laughs> hey, I've come up with those kind of scenarios for Coach Fuente to keep his job as impossible scenarios. So hey, Riverheads, Draft, and Fort all have to win states, and I'll say Fuente can keep his job. How's that? <laughs> okay. That's fair. Yeah. We'll talk about him in a minute. Let's not jump the gun on Fuente and how he ruins even victories. But um, <laughs> cross country, uh, Ramsey Corbin doing Ramsey Corbin things for Fort Defiance. He'll be going to States. And then on the girls' side, Abby Lane. Great finish for her in the girls' cross country meet. Fort Defiance having a really good cross country meet and uh, yeah. really showing themselves. And man, they are having a really successful cross country season. Yeah, the girls there, all, all three top finishers were all from Fort Defiance. So that's just a dominant girls team performance there. But the boys' performance nearly as dominant. Uh, Waynesboro did, you know, start to catch up to them a little bit better than uh, Wilson did on the girls' side. But I, I mean, and credit to Wilson and Waynesboro, they have strong cross country programs as well. I mean, we're those are the three schools in the top three on both sides there on the boys and girls. So they're all strong. Uh, we got a lot of these teams going uh, to the to the next round, the region tournament. Oh, that's right, the region. Oh. I skipped it. Yep, I said states, but it's region. Yep, you're right. Fort and uh, Wilson for the girls get to go for the girls, and the boys, Fort and Waynesboro, get to go. I think some individuals from Wilson get to go for the boys. Both Buffalo Gap and Riverheads will go to Region One B, just the way it it works there. Uh, Riverheads ha- does have some hope of um, some good finishes there. Um, but yeah, a lot of, a lot of good cross country. I think Stewart Trap gets to compete also at the, at the region level. Cause they're the only team from the Shenandoah district in two uh, B. Uh, but you know, they weren't finishing near the top of, of this. So I I'm, I'm limiting my expectations for them at the region level, but uh, it, I, it just is dominant. I, I want to spend time on the bottom list Fort defiance, that cross country pro- program, uh, Stephen Metcalf. I'm, I'm friends with the guy. I, I know how hard, he works at that and the time he puts into that. And uh, he's been a great coach there for a long time. I mean, this is the coach that got the starting quarterback from the football team to come run cross country the whole time. So he obviously knows how to win and convinces people that they could be a part of winning, that he's going to get them there. And, and he's done that. And, and a lot of, it takes a lot of talent from these guys like Ramsey Corbin. I mean, there's some talent there that he's working with, but I mean, he's putting teams around these star runners and uh, getting people to, to run their best at the most important time. So that's, that's awesome. It is. Uh, but with the cross country wrapping up, Leland, that means we can update the Yak Cup standings. Cross country and volleyball are updated. That's true. So we had two. Uh, we had boys and girls cross country get added in the mm-hmm. equation as well as volleyball. And with that, yeah. we have a new number one, Fort Defiance, obviously having success in boys and girls cross country as well as volleyball. And volleyball. <laughs> Winning all three of those obviously will help. They are the new number one in the Yak Cup standings. Wilson Memorial drops to number two. Waynesboro and Riverheads are tied for third right now. That's your podium. Stanton right behind them, in, uh, which would be fifth. Stewart's draft is sixth. Buffalo Gap sitting at seventh right now. Again, after this week, we'll be able to update the football portion of the Yak Cup standings, which should, I believe that rounds out the fall standings, does it not? We will that, be done. That'll take care of the fall. We'll see Riverheads move up uh, to third on their own, and we'll see Fort Defiance and Wilson get pretty close to each other since 
Ford had all their success this week with three sports finishing first in. They're going to finish at the other end of football. Wilson finishing in the middle there. That's going to tighten those top two spots. And then there'll be Riverheads. And then we'll still have a lot of tight going down the rest of the way there. But uh, I, I think it's interesting having those. Right now, the, the Class 3 teams are the top three spots. Uh, that's something that, you know, you just start pulling out facts of what you see. Uh, Riverheads is going to surpass them after football season here. But it, it does show, you know, Fort and Wilson's strength in a lot of sports. And, and in the spring, we're going to see them strong in a lot of sports, too. So I think it, it, the winner is time to make hay uh, for, for the Class 1 and Class 2 schools. And uh, it might not still be enough. But, hey, it, it's fun to watch the comparison. When, when I saw what was about to happen with cross country and volleyball, I, I knew Fort Defiance was about to make a big leap. Uh, so, <laughs> yes, they did. I mean, they only, they only, I mean, they, the way I have the points currently going is you get one point for first and two points for second. And then uh, if you All the finish way down last, to you have seventh. Yeah. Or if you don't, in the cross country, there was some, uh, on the girls' side, I believe, there was teams that didn't qualify points uh, for a team meet. So I, I had three teams with seven points there. But, um, but I think that's the fair way to do it. Yeah, yeah. I agreed with Fort the way Defiance, you did it. Fort Defiance only has eight points on the season. And, I mean, some of these other schools just got seven points for their efforts in cross country. So it just shows, I mean, they've been up top in, in all these sports. I mean, their lowest finish, uh, Fort Defiance, has been third so far. Yeah. Um, and, and same for Wilson. Uh, it's just Fort Defiance has won a couple more. So that'll change with these football uh, updates. But, hey, credit to those two schools doing so well through this fall season and like I said, I expect to keep seeing them do. I mean, I say spring sports. Wilson's really good at wrestling. Uh, they'll be good on the indoor track. Uh, you know, basketball, you know, they're not going to finish at the bottom. So right. Wilson's going to have a lot of success coming up. Well, and like you said, I mean, the reason you and I wanted to do this, one, finally all our teams are, are in yep. the same district, so we can. But also, we want to be able to compare, you know, the athletic programs throughout the entire school year. See, hey. Who's got the best, you know, we always talk about, hey, Riverhead's always making these state runs. Okay, but how are they stacking up when they're playing these other teams in the area? Uh, and er competition's equal, right? Uh, everybody's playing everybody. So it's interesting to see, like you said, how it's stacking up right now where the Class 3 teams are the top three spots, although, you know, Waynesboro and Riverheads are tied technically for third. Um, but, yeah, it's it's been a great fall season for Fort. And like you said, I mean, the cross country and volleyball really helps when this week. Uh, the update is you won all three. It, it gets pretty hard when your worst finish has been third in the fall to, to not yeah. pull Volchi into first. Yep. But I, I joked about it. Let's go ahead and talk about Fuente ruining college football by winning. Um, beats Georgia Tech. Virginia Tech improves to four and four. I didn't watch the game. Uh, I had other things going on Saturday, and I could not watch the game. Um that being said, even when I saw we won, I was like, okay, I, I, I hate feeling that way, but I was just like, I don't care. Like him winning doesn't really help, but it's a Virginia tech win. So I'm not going to poo poo it too much. It, it just goes to show. And I even sent you, <laughs> I sent you one of his quotes from the press conference about the running back. That's now getting all the, getting all the hype and they're like wow why are we even playing this guy more and he's like well you know sometimes there's more than just what happens on the field <laughs> i texted you i was like how come the guys who apparently have disciplinary problems are also the only ones that are ever talented like why why 
can we just not have good people who also don't get in trouble? Yeah, I... Uh, is it or is it because I, they don't practice hard? Because that was the thing on Khalil Herbert too. He doesn't practice hard enough. Okay, well he's in the NFL, so I don't know. Maybe he doesn't need to practice hard when he, he maybe he knows he's playing our defense. I don't know. Yeah, I I think there's a lot to that statement. You know, every school has guys getting in trouble, and um, yes, whether whether they're highly talented or not. I mean, we we've had trouble for plenty of guys that aren't talented. Um, and we've had some troubles with our top guys. I mean, Michael Vick did have a younger brother. Um, well, I, you don't even have to go back that far. I mean, there's a guy that got kicked uh, off the team and is going to go to jail. So, yeah, I yeah, I'm trying to encapsulate all of it. And to be fair, this isn't just on Fuente. Like, you know, no, no, behavioral no. stuff predates him, and it goes across all programs. I mean, every every school has had their stuff. So. I just, but not every talented person in college football has disciplinary issues. Is my is my main point, and no, the only and ones we ever get are the ones that have disciplinary issues. I guess, <laughs> or want to get the heck out of here as quick as they can. Yeah, yeah, one of the two. So, uh, yeah, I I don't like it. I I listened to the game, so just I mean I was busy with stuff, but also it gives me the advantage of saying I didn't have to watch it. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm happy. I, I'm happy when Virginia Tech wins. I kept I, my conversations that night were beating that Georgia Tech team is something half decent ACC team should do. So I don't know if we're half decent, but we didn't prove anything. We're not proving that we're some kind of good team with that win. You don't lose to Syracuse and then magically fix things the next week with a win over Georgia Tech. You know, you got to play Clemson or, you know, a, a normal Clemson or someone at the top to, to rectify something. And Georgia Tech's not that. And so we have plenty of time to, to do things that'll make me mad and uh, prove that we're not good ahead of the way. And I, I'm glad we're not going to have as bad a record as we could. I, I'm, I'm thankful of that. does look like we they'll still stumble into a bowl game now, though. It's possible. What, we've got to be Duke and UVA? Well, I've got to be Boston College and Duke. They're both winless in the ACC this season. I don't know. I, even on team, when we're good, I get pretty nervous about going to Boston College. They're 0-4 in the ACC. If we lose that game, yeah. I think you should fire him. I think you do what you did with – I I think like you work out a deal. Huh? Nego- we need to yeah. negotiate with this guy. Negotiate the you buyout care- down. Have you ever cared about this university? If you've ever cared about it and you care about what it does after you, yeah. we'll give you your money that we're going to get you on December 16th. We're just going to announce this crap now. Yeah. And get you Go to TC- way. That way you can interview yeah. for the TCU job. No hard feelings. TCU, Texas Tech, wherever you want to go. Yeah, wouldn't that be the best if TCU just hired him? Oh, and we didn't have to pay the buyout? Like, that would just be the why, dream. Why would they? What has he given them? to? Like, Yeah, they know. He, That's true. He they can know. Get people to he was already there. Texas. Gary Patterson's probably telling the AD now, like, Mm-mm. don't want that. He can recruit Texas, and they'll, they'll commit to you, but then they won't say there. Andy, Andy Dalton was Fuente proof. That's all that was. Yeah. He was too good for Fuente to mess up. That's all that happened there. So this week on my next coaches uh, <laughs> okay. section of the podcast, I have like the two obvious ones, the, the, the laziest of fans. These are the two that you can say. And, and, and I say that's lazy. That makes it sound negative. Neither of these guys am I going to say no to, but I just I don't see either one of them happening. Right. Uh, it's, not, it's time to talk about Shane Beamer, and it's time to talk about Luke Fickle. Shane Beamer – uh, some relation to Frank Beamer having been his son 
and played at Virginia Tech and been on the coaching staff. So has all kinds of Virginia Tech, all of his roots are Virginia Tech. He's gotten some good uh, experience coaching at Georgia and Oklahoma since then. And now he's the head coach of South Carolina. I don't think there's any way that Shane Beamer leaves South Carolina after one year to come back to Virginia Tech and try to clean up this mess. I just don't see it happening. If he comes, I'll take, I can't, you can't say no to Shane Beamer. Like he's the name. He's going to have every reason in the world to, to prove his worth and to get the program back to where his dad had it and then take it further. He understands the assignment. If he would come here, he's just not going to come. This isn't the time for him to come. Um, and maybe the time never happens. Maybe there's never the perfect time, but this just isn't it. If, if it was in his head that he really wanted to coach Virginia Tech, he wouldn't have been so eager to take that job at South Carolina last year. So that's my comment on Shane Beamer. Do you have anything to add to Shane? I actually would prefer him not to take the job. Um, I think it's better just from the that standpoint way you don't have that built in. Yeah. Just from the standpoint, if he does, right. If yeah. he does, let's say, I'm wrong. Yeah. yeah, let's say Leland's wrong, and he says, yeah, love it. Want to come back to Virginia Tech. Love Virginia Tech. Love everything about the Hokies. Want to come back. And he doesn't fix it. Yeah. That's Terrible. program killing. Like, that's program is dead and buried. Scott Frost situation. Yeah, that's – that's people start looking around going, oh, okay, we're just never going to be back. So yeah. I, I don't want that. Because there's always that – yeah, there's always that, you know, unicorn – fairy tale that folks can have for the program. But if you bring in the son of the legend who made you and he can't fix it, then you have other problems. And I think it gets real hard to fix it. So. It might just shed the light on those other problems. It's the problem for us. Yeah. I, I'd just rather be in the dark about those problems. I just rather be ignorant, I guess, when it comes to that. I just rather be like, nah, we just didn't hire the right guy. We can still fix it. <laughs> The other head coach that you would quickly hear people mention <laughs> at the water laugh cooler every time I hear it is Luke Fickle. Yeah, and I'm not. <laughs> I mean, you're, you're laughing. You're not laughing at me because no. you know, I'm just repeating what all these other yeah. people say. Uh, yeah, I won't turn him down if he has desire to come to Blacksburg. Give him a headset. Let's go. But he's at Cincinnati right now, trying to he's play the number two team in the a, country. Uh, yeah, he's not leaving there. Plus the timing. So, I mean, the, the, just the bare bones of it. You need a guy that's going to accept your head coach job no later than like December 17th, the day after the Fuente thing ends. And probably you're trying to find out ways to make it happen sooner. You're trying to, if you're with Babcock right now, you're trying to figure out ways, hopefully, that how do we get to that point sooner and how can we be offering this position sooner? Uh, and Luke Fickle isn't doing it. Luke Fickle's at Cincinnati through the first weekend of January because he, his team is going to likely be involved in the playoff or that first week of December still think they have their chance until the, until they ruin them until they screw Cincinnati out of it. Uh, That's what's up. And so he's not coming. And plus he's looking up, not, I mean, it's sideways at best. It's a sideways move. And it's, it's, I mean, that's like oh their team is so God, much that is better than us. Virginia Tech. Yeah, no kidding. But they're going to like, but they're, okay, they're right now in the American and they're going to the Big 12. I would consider the ACC has the ability to be a better conference than the Big 12. They've dropped off these years. The separation with Clemson has not helped the conference. Teams have got to get better. 
I think you have a better chance of being a better conference here in the ACC. That's the positive of this comparison. Cincinnati's program is currently better. They're getting better players than us. They're playing at a higher level. Like all, all the current stuff is that way. That's why we're going to be looking for a head coach. But if you back off a little bit, look at conference affiliation, look at, you know, Virginia Tech has played for a national championship. They have had a long runs of 10 seasons. They do have a historic head coach, do have some traditions built in that I would say Cincinnati doesn't have as deep of roots with. That's that's the comparison stuff. But Luke Fickle isn't going to come at best, at very, very optimistically best, sideways to us. He's going to go up. And when he leaves Cincinnati, he's going up. He's either going to a blue blood or he's going to the NFL. So I just I don't waste too much time talking about that by the water cooler because it's just that's just not happening. Shane has more chance of coming than Luke Fickle. I agree with that. Luke Fickle will never coach at Virginia Tech unless yes. something has gone wrong with his career. People he, keep talking about the Cincinnati's better. With Babcock, yeah, Cincinnati currently is better. Luke Babcock, Whit Whit Babcock. Babcock was at Cincinnati before here. So everybody thinks there's all these connections there. There is some loose connections, but he didn't hire Luke Fickle there. Right. So the the connections stop with, they know some same people and those connections are the same for him and a lot of coaches throughout this nation. So yeah, Luke Fickle, two coaches this week, Luke Fickle, they could play Virginia tech in Blacksburg. They could play them at Santa's workshop. They could play them wherever Virginia Tech wants to play that game. They're currently a better team. I'm not arguing. They would smoke Virginia Tech. Yes. That's why we're looking for a head coach, Joe. He's never – he's going to go to the Big 12. He's not even going to have to deal with the same thing he's dealing with right now about, well, I know they're undefeated and they've beaten some ranked teams and they're going to beat more ranked teams yeah. if they stay he's undefeated along shot. the way. Should they? But should they still be in? If they go to the Big 12, they're in. It's done. Done. Undefeated. In. Yeah. If he goes to Virginia Tech, he'll have to work to build that. The, the day Cincinnati goes to the Big 12, they're a playoff favorite. The day they I, go into the Big 12. I don't think he's going to coach in the Big 12. Ooh. You have him leaving before 2023. Yeah, I think he's going soon. You think he's going to go to Michigan? Possible. Darn possible. He has a lot of Ohio State ties. So, yeah, going to the other side of that rivalry, I don't see why he wouldn't. Ooh. I don't know. We'll save that for a second. Um, he played for Ohio State, too. Whew. UVA. I said, I said some things. He's probably said some things. <laughs> but you know what? Folks at Michigan just want to win, so I'm pretty sure they can forgive whatever as long as he wins. Um, but any Big Ten school would want him. Yeah. And, and I'll talk about the tradition of the ACC and all that. Big Ten's above ACC. It will be above I ACC. don't. So any Big Yeah, Ten's but if you start getting low, below Michigan and Ohio State, I don't know what job entices him. He's not going to Nebraska. No, he's not going to Nebraska. Um, I don't know. I don't know. He'd go to most of those. I, there's more, more Big Ten teams he would go to than not go to over Virginia Tech. Agreed, but I don't think those Big Ten jobs he would go to. Again... The NFL is going to start wanting him soon. I don't know if he wants to go to the NFL, but we'll see. That's a different conversation. UVA played BYU. It was a very exciting game. I stayed up. It was great. I watched some of it. Yeah, yeah. it was great late night watching. Uh, BYU ends up winning, which made it the best midnight uh, watching when they won 66-49. <laughs> to 49. But I'll give credit to UVA. They were in this ballgame. They 
lit up the scoreboard with BYU. Armstrong looked really good in that for most of that ball game. Now I know he had some turnovers at the end that kind of dampened the he night got a hurt little bit. Too. He did, um, and that put a little bit of a damper on UVA's night. But when he was in the game, he looked great. So I would be worried about their defense, maybe. But hey, <laughs> well, we've been saying this is a big that. Win. Yeah, this is a big win for UVA, or not a big win for UVA, but it's it's nice to go on the road to a top twenty-five team in BYU, be in that ball game, and almost be able to come out with a win. And heck, in the Coastal, I'll, I mean, who knows? Maybe yeah, they could win. That's it. that's the conversation. I'll credit the UVA fans that I talked to that weren't as positive as you just spun that. They were bad. They lost that game. They thought they should go to BYU. They should win that game. Bronco should go in there and win that game. So as much times as I've thought worse of UVA when they lose a game and somehow find their positives, I, I give them credit. Like, hey, if, if you're the program you think you are or program you think you're going to be, you know, you should be mad that you lost this game, and, and they are. And so that's good. Uh, they have three losses now on the season. and But what's important here is they got their quarterback is injured. They have a bye week this week, so that's some rest. They have Notre Dame next week, which is Yikes. a tough opponent. Yep. But if you're UVA right now, your goal is the Coastal and the yep. ACC. So if he's not good to go against Notre Dame, sacrifice him and don't put him out there. Put whoever else out there. Yeah, sacrifice the backup. That yeah. you got. But then do what you can do to have him ready for that Pitt, Virginia Tech, back-to-back weeks. Pitt being the most important because Pitt just lost, and now you're playing for something that week directly with Pitt's pittsburgh and then if you win that game you're you're have a huge rivalry game which no matter what happened no matter what the records are that virginia tech game is big on both sides mm-hmm. so if, if i'm uva if, if your quarterback's not 95 percent this uh in two weeks when you're playing notre dame sit him and then let him make sure he can get ready and be ready for pitt and, and virginia tech yep because they could win the coastal i mean that division who knows what's going to happen but yeah it's very much in play for uva and yeah i mean Look, I'll, I'll say this. I could only dream of Virginia Tech scoring 49 points this year. Yeah, we averaged 24. They averaged 39. Hmm. But they also give up 30. But, I mean, okay. that's the problem. We play if bad we defenses play UVA, and we still don't yeah, yeah, score. Yeah. Yeah. If we go play UVA and, give, and we get what they average give up, we're still going to get beat. We got to score. We got to score fifty to beat UVA when we play them. We're incapable of doing that. I I don't think there's any way to score. I don't know. I don't know if we could score fifty if we played UVA twice. But yeah, I our offense is so bad. I hate them. Even when we win, it's just like yeah, they were better. But this this past two weeks is the only time, and we and we're saying how terrible we are that we've scored fifty points combined in the last two weeks. Well, it's, the apparently, the the season, la- it's have, apparently the two weeks Fuente's been more involved with the offense, too. So if only somebody had done that, you know, back at the beginning of the year when it was okay if, to do it. If that's actually helping, then why didn't we do it sooner? And why do we have these press conferences? Oh, it's too late. Uh, yeah, when I saw that tweet, I was like, okay, then that just means he's an idiot for sticking with Cornelson this long. Yeah, get him out of here. No, it, this week means nothing to me, Virginia Tech. We yeah. can win. Great. December sixteenth is the day that's on the calendar for Virginia Tech. I'm worried like heck that we that's the most important day. That's the most important day on this on the calendar right now. If you're a Virginia Tech fan, December sixteenth. Absolutely, absolutely is. And I because if I've December seventeenth comes and Justin Fuente is still your head coach, burn burn Lane Stadium down. It's over. Um, don't actually do that, but it's not good. Um, Michigan and Michigan State. I'm just saying. 
the same amount of damage would be done to the program if that were to happen. Um, Michigan and Michigan State. I'm not even going to talk about JMU's CAA game against Elon because I don't care. Um, Michigan and Michigan. Delaware. No, it was Elon. Uh, they played Delaware the week before. They beat them too. Yeah. Yeah. I don't blame you for not knowing who they played because, again, hey, no I, one cares. I was just going to go to that game this week. I'm just going to stand outside in the parking lot for a couple hours. That's cool. Um, I'll stay inside where it's warm. But um, Michigan and Michigan State, they played the big noon kickoff game. I was a little bit worried about my investment on Sparty Party, but Jim Harbaugh did not let me down. That guy, like Justin Fuente in a big game, folds like a lawn chair. He can't win on the road in a top 10 matchup. He goes down to Michigan State in improbable fashion. Michigan State's so... Oh, I loved it. I liked their coach, too. Good for him. Good for the Spartans. They beat Michigan and Jim Harbaugh. All I that do talk like Michigan of, State's coach. I do like him. <laughs> all that talk of Jim Harbaugh's figured it out. This year's different. <laughs> Maybe not. And, um, yeah, they're, they're done. Michigan, I don't think Michigan's going to be the single good team on their schedule. What surprised me on Saturday outside – well, I, I don't know. I, I actually got to watch some Ohio. Iowa State, Penn State, particularly the second half. Mm-hmm. And uh, that Ryan Day was just going for it on fourth down like crazy. And uh, it's fun to watch, but at yeah. some points you're just like, maybe you kick a field goal and go by two scores. Like, maybe, yeah. maybe you just do that. I was glad. I was rooting for him to not get it on that fourth down, though, because I was like, come on, Penn State. Oh, I was rooting for Penn State all the way. That's that's yeah. why I was paying attention. Yeah. That uh, was a good game. I was happy it was a good game. That was the only time I got to sit down and watch college football on Saturday. I watched three plays of the Virginia Tech game prior to that, and – we had Halloween madness going on in our house, which was was fun. But uh, yeah, that was the second half of that game was what I got to watch, and it was entertaining. I appreciated that. Mm-hmm. Oh, going yeah, I see that you have another game of note here, Pitt Miami. Yeah, Pitt, what are you doing? Being Pitt. Yep, you had the world in your hand. Narduzzi gonna Narduzzi, dude. Pat gonna <sighs> Pat. That guy, I hate him so much. I'm so glad I he too. lost. I, that's I the thing. Too. Like. I don't want there to be a scenario for Virginia Tech to win the UVA game and go to the ACC championship because that's my nightmare because then Fuente maybe saves his job. But honestly, like when he lost to Miami and I saw that, I just laughed just because I'm like, that guy's such a jerk. I love him losing. Yeah, I saw the score. Or no, they talked about it on the radio. Mm-hmm. That was that happened. What, what time was that game? I don't know. It wouldn't have been before uh, the Tech game. I thought it was maybe during it. Maybe, maybe I, I don't know how I heard about it. Maybe yeah, someone just might said have been it simultaneous. to me. It was, Saturday was a blur, but when I heard they were losing, I was just like, yeah. All right, guys. <laughs> Cole Pickett standing on top of the world. He's supposed to win the Heisman. He's going to be the next Steelers quarterback, and he's just getting beat by Miami. He's he not going to be the next uh, Steelers quarterback. You guys got Spencer Rattler. He passed some Dan Marino <laughs> record, and I was like, yeah, that, that means the Steelers definitely won't draft him. They won't they won't draft the at home kid like they're supposed to. It's yeah, but it's um it's the big week for Spencer Rattler. It's his big season. You guys are gonna draft him. He threw a touchdown, didn't he? Didn't Campbell get hurt or something? Uh I don't know. I hope I think he did. I think hope the not. other guy he threw like six touchdowns and then Rattler came in and threw his Oklahoma play this week. Might be time to ride the dog. Um but looking ahead to this week, you don't have any down, but I'll go ahead. The 330 game is Auburn-Texas A&M. That should be a good game. Yeah. You have uh, – yep. 
you know, I don't have anything down. It's because of all those PowerPoint, that how that PowerPoint thing. Yeah. Soliloquy I gave a while ago. There, well, that and there's not a lot of good games. I mean, the big noon kickoff this week is Ohio State and Nebraska. And I know Dan's a Nebraska fan and bless him, but. Phew. That's going to be a not you, fun experience. You see why I'm going to go tailgate this weekend. Virginia Tech plays on Friday. Yeah, all of a sudden, no I'm like, yeah. Jumping out on the all of a sudden, well, yeah. The rest of November, I'll be in the house, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get one game out. Michigan State's only a three-point favorite at Purdue. Tailgate. Mm, uh-oh. All right, let's go to the NFL. Your Ravens had a bye. Yeah. They play the Vikings this week. Pittsburgh won. They beat the Browns. The Browns couldn't get out of their own way. Brown's going to Brown. That's another one. Yeah. Steelers win a classic uh, NFC, AFC North game, 15 to 10. That's just an AFC North. Mm. Like if you just put 15 to 10, that was the score of a game. You're like AFC North. Yeah. We know that. Uh, They play the Bears next week on Monday night football. Sounds like a Tuesday recording. Uh, Washington played the Broncos, the team team there, and uh, gave that one away against a Broncos team that got rid of uh, Vaughn Miller today. Yeah, well, the Broncos, they didn't win because they really played well. They tried to let Washington beat them, but... And the football team did better at trying to let the opposing team beat them. Yeah, so. they just did better this week. Yeah. yeah. But the other game but that Bron- stuck out to me, and it, there was it was a week of standouts um, because it was the week of the backup quarterback. The Jets won with a backup quarterback against the Bengals, which I laughed out loud. Um, so the J- the Jets are better than the Ravens. That's that's what I've seen. No, it's just that. Like I said last week, it was the fake blueprint game. We're not worried about the Bengals. We knew the Bengals would drop games. They're going to drop when we play them next. Um, <laughs> Dallas had Cooper Rush <laughs> take out the Vikings, which I also laughed. Uh, I needed that in a Titans win in overtime uh, to uh, win an investment parlay there. Um, so both of those were exciting. <laughs> I was a little less excited about the Cowboys game when I found out Dak wasn't going to be playing at the game time decision. But this goes back to last year, Leland. Um, what was Mike McCarthy doing? I I don't know what Mike McCarthy was. I don't know why Narduzzi was on the... Danucci. Danucci. <laughs> Darnucci. <laughs> I don't know why Danucci was even on the roster. I don't know why he saw game plan. I, I just... Uh, I don't know. He Mike just McCarthy's beat the Minnesota go. Vikings, who aren't good, but they're not bad. Like, I, they're going to get rid of McCarthy. They could have been a playoff team year. last year if they had Cooper Rush as their quarterback there, I'll say. They are going to find a way to get rid of him unless they, I would say, win the Super Bowl or go to the NFC Championship game. Anything short of that, I think they find a way to get rid of him. Yeah, but I think it's going to be... They got that Boise State quarterback. Kellen Moore. Yeah, gonna, I think gonna it's going to be because job. of him. I think Kellen Moore is going to yep. get offered a job, and Jerry Jones is going to be like, no. Nope, stay here. Stay here. Yeah. Don't worry. I'll fire this big oaf. And uh, he'll go into Mike McCarthy's office and be like, uh, that scene where Dwight goes up to uh, Clark and uh, tells him, get out of Jim's seat. He's going to go get out of Kellen's office and <laughs> fire him. So... Uh, yeah, I think, I think you're right. I think Kellen Moore is going to get that job no matter what. Um, but since you I don't brought think it no up, matter what, I think if they do go 
deep, deep in the playoffs. Uh, well, then I think he's going to keep his job because I think Dallas might be a Super Bowl team. I don't – I just don't – you don't see it in the NFL. It's not the NHL, you know. You just don't see that happen in the NFL like that. Maybe. Maybe this will be the time. Jerry Jones would be the owner to do it. So I don't know why I even say anything. I thought you were going to say you don't think they're a Super Bowl team, and I was like, bold, but okay. I think they can be. I'm not ruling it out. I don't want them to be. That's the biggest thing I'm pulling me not well, I'm not. Saying I'm that, not but, saying, you know, take it to the bank or anything, but I'm yeah, saying right now, if I were to pick today, I would pick Dallas and Baltimore. Yeah, who in the NFC am I automatically saying ahead of them? Like Tom Brady? They just lost the Bucks, to the backup okay. Saints. That was another one. Yeah. Uh, the Rams, everybody's hyping. Like, yeah, Dallas is going to compete in any of those games. Well, I tell you what, if you want to beat the Rams, you just do onside kicks, keep their offense on the sideline. Two weeks in a row, they've let the other team get an onside kick. That was the other, that really ticked me off. They could have covered had they not been messing around. <laughs> I uh, am watching here uh, the Giants beating the Chiefs right now, 17 to 14. They just, are so on. bad. Chiefs. I just. I, I want to find the right word for the Chiefs. They're not playing well. They're like, playing bad. They have, That's the right word. Talent. They're playing bad. I want to. There needs to be a word for this, like the underachieving. Yes. Team. There need, we need to get a, a word going. We need to invent a word, get it to go viral, and then us own it. We can just own words, right? Uh, probably not. But who, who who even knows where words come from? You know, they really shrewded it. <laughs> That's what they're doing. They're shrewding it. They're shooting it. <laughs> yeah, they are definitely shooting all over the place right now, the Chiefs. Um, but, yeah, let's talk about the sport that everybody wants to talk about, and that's Major League Baseball. The Atlanta Braves are up in the World Series 3-2. to two. Uh, I don't know how you feel about this, Leland, but uh, in our group text with uh, some with my Braves oh, buddy. this is going to be some horse crap, what you're about to say. He feels if they don't win game six, it's over. And yeah. – I don't disagree with him. I would be terrified. I don't like you. I don't going like to hear into a about game seven. Friends that you've rubbed off on too much here. Like yeah. your negativity is rubbing off on your friends. Where they're fans to be fair, Braves team here, and they're just like, oh no, we don't win this next game. The world is over. Like that is such a Joe thing to say. No, the Astros are not going to beat the Braves three games in a row. They can't go three games in the face of this magic that has happened. They've won one. I think the Braves win the next game, but if they don't, I still give them every shot in the world to win game seven. I've seen the Astros lose at home a ton in the World Series. You saw it four times when they played the Nats, but... That's a ton. If you don't know, a ton is equal to uh, four I guess they World lost the Series first victories. two here, but yeah, I don't know. I think if they win game six, I would be a little bit worried. Um, but... You get some worry, The funny thing... Like giving up on life is The funny thing at. is, this same friend, we were talking during the game, uh, game three on Friday. And uh, it was me, another buddy of ours that's a Ravens fan, and my buddy who's a Braves fan. And we were talking, and I was like, Ryan, where are you? A scale of one to 10, right when they're getting ready for first pitch. He goes, uh, I don't know, a one. And I was like, a one? The, the worry scale is like one is the lowest. And he's like, yeah. He's like, I'm not, it's, it's at the beginning of the game. Why would I be worried? And I was like, I have you and I experience games differently. Like, <laughs> and then our other buddy user Ravens fan goes, I don't know if I've ever been a one <laughs> in life. Yeah. I was like, yeah, <laughs> I, I definitely know the other side, like being far from a one as a Virginia tech football fan these last few years. But I, I 
I really wanted them to win at home because that crowd has been so good those yeah. couple games and there's those big moments. I think I texted you that like mm-hmm. the back to back homers when that second guy hit the homer and rounded first and that was like the moment it's gone and the crowd erupts like that's like the best sound in sports is just like that baseball crowd on that kind of big moment in that big of a game. It's just so good. And it, it happens most every world series, like every year you get those playoff moments, at least, at least playoff moments. And uh, yeah, that was so good. I wanted them to win there just because the Atlanta itself, but especially the Braves fan base has suffered through being close so much. Uh, you know, they've only got the one world series victory and all the time in Atlanta. And uh, they were so close during the entire nineties. And, and then when you take it outside of baseball and you look at football and what they did in that Super Bowl against the Patriots and <laughs> they were way up and get taken back, you just, you feel, you feel something for that fan base. Yeah. And I think when I'm root, already rooting for the Braves, I just, I just wanted it to happen at home, but they'll celebrate a world series victory on the road, mm-hmm. just as happy as they can too. So that's what I'm rooting for Tuesday night. I hope it happens. Yeah. Instead of election results. It's going to be baseball World Series victory for the Atlanta Braves. I'll be watching baseball. I'm not going to watch the yeah, other Yeah, I'm watching baseball, too. No, I'm not watching any of that. I can't do that to myself. Um, nope. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I think it's going to be interesting. And, yeah, I'm not, I'm not rooting for Houston. I do want the Braves to win. But uh, I just – I don't know, man. You go from up 3-1, you lose game five. Okay, I'm not freaking out like he is. But – Game six, if you lose, I just know if it was the Orioles, I would be hammering the panic button, crapping myself if we were up 3-1 in the series and had to go to a game seven on the road to try to win a World mm-hmm. Series. Now, I would love to be in that scenario, but I'm just saying. I, I, would yeah. under, I understand his worry. I would worry about game seven when game seven happens. Right now, I'd just be ready for game six and think they got a good shot. I, I mean, the Astros are a, a momentum team. We saw it do them against the Red Sox. They they got hot one game and then carried it. Yeah, I'm not gonna say you ignore that, but I think. Uh, well, we know the I, Braves yeah. were lucky to get out of the NLCS too, because I mean, when they lost that first game of the Dodgers, that that could have been it. So it's magic, man. Someone it's magic. said it. Someone said they were gonna get eliminated after that, but yeah. So. Let's go ahead, though, and take it over to Greg Medea to talk about some Sunbelt. B-Block here on the Yak Sports Podcast. We're joining old friend Greg Medea. Greg, you haven't been on in a while since July of 2020. I had to look back and see, uh, and the world was changing a lot then. It's changed since, but... For the for the guy who was our second ever guest of the Yak Sports podcast, I, I'm shocked. I'm shocked it's been this long of a break. Yeah, it's it's good to be back though. I mean, then plenty to talk about. I'm sure today with you guys, uh, because yeah, there, there's a lot going on over at James Madison. <laughs> yeah. Well, as great a season as they're having, and uh, you know, doing well in the CA, sure they have a loss. We're actually not. Our motivation wasn't to talk to you about the active football going on. It's all this Sun Belt talk that. Uh, Joe and I have tried, treaded on lightly the last few weeks, but uh, hey, I think at least there's some public acknowledgement from the school now that uh, JMU is planning to go to the Sun Belt. So tell us more about it, Greg. Yeah, so uh, the, the big the big thing came Friday when yeah. James Madison School uh, Board of Visitors 
uh, approved the move to the FBS and, and approved the plan uh, that, that they could take the next step. Of course, in, in all this, the, the next step is, com- is coming this Friday, uh, which will be a 10-15 a.m. meeting with the General Assembly in Richmond. And as I've reported, you know, kind of throughout this process is every four-year institution uh, in a public institution in the state of Virginia needs approval uh, from the state in order to move in division level in, in any sport and particularly football. And that includes the football championship subdivision, which James Madison plays in now to the football bowl subdivision, which its board of visitors approved the move from and a move to, excuse me, uh, and, and into the Sunbelt conference. So they have the right to, to go do that this Friday uh, and if approved, and, and the expectation is it, it will be, and my sources have told me that the JMU is working very, very diligently to make sure its plan and its presentation to the General Assembly is, is buttoned up and can particularly prove uh, that, that financially it can make its jump to the FBS uh, work. Uh, that, you know, as long as it's, uh, as long as that works, that they'll be approved and, uh, you know, and, and it's out of the FBS for the Dukes. And this just has to be politics to the max. You know, you, you talk about these state institutions and everything's about money, everything's political, um, you know, and every, you know, a bunch of back scratching going on. But this is just probably, you know, politics in the collegiate athletic world on steroids right now. Yeah, no no, no doubt about it. And I think that the, the interesting thing is, and I reported this last week too, is that it had to wait to, to reach the General Assembly until after – uh, the, the governor election in Virginia, which is which is pretty wild because uh, it had to be pushed back because uh, because of that. Uh, so that's why it's it's not happening until Friday uh, that that presentation in front of the General Assembly in Richmond. So uh, that 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 I think is is part of it. And then, you know, the, the other the other piece to this is and, and why, you know, it's it's so important to prove financially uh, that, that James Madison effectively can make a jump and can be profitable and, and increase its revenue at the FBS level is because of the, the Cox bill and, and the former delegate Kirk Cox is, is a James Madison grad, but he put it in uh, and, and he was the one who, who kind of led the charge on that bill, HB 1897, that all, all that, that when you move up from the FCS to the FBS, uh, you can't continue uh, to, to use student fees to fund your athletic department uh, like James Madison is now, it, it drops in percentage of what each school is allowed in that in that type of move. You can you can use student fees to fund your athletic department more at the FCS level, but that percentage drops when you make a move to the FBS. So James Madison has to prove it. Its athletic department can withstand and sustain, uh, you know, not being able to to use the student fees as much. And of course, an increase in television revenue will help with that. Uh, but beyond that. Uh, you know, I just think that that's kind of interesting. That's a JMU grad uh, who, who kind of helped put all that in place that, that they have to, to fix and, and push through just to just to be order just to be able to make the move you want to make. So, you know, the, the increased TV revenue, obviously the easiest one to talk about right there. What past that is, is some of the talk. I mean, I'm sure it's not you know, one or two gigantic things are going to make up for that lack of funding. You know, I'm sure it's just the, the product of a bunch of things. What's, what's some of the different areas that how they're able to make up that financial gap? Yeah, I think first is, is, is the TV stuff. After that, 
Uh, and and just just so you guys know, the 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 Sun Belt Conference has a deal with ESPN that that runs yeah. through 2030, 2031, and and that that is a it seems like it's going to be a pretty sweet deal after after James Madison fans, you know. We're not too happy with the flow sports aspect <laughs> of what the CAA uh, had to offer. But uh, when you look at when you look at the other revenue streams that the James Madison's hoping for, they're hoping this move uh, can increase and in, and in, in incentivize uh, its fan base to to donate more money. Right? I mean, yeah. I think yeah. I think uh, you know there's there's part of that that this fan base that's been so outspoken about making a jump and wanting the school to make a jump uh, to the FBS level. There's a little bit of like you're gonna have to put your money where your mouth is if you want the program to be good, right? I think I think that's totally part of it. Uh, and then uh, I think this and th- this is why you make the move, in my opinion, right? It's for Saturdays in the fall. For as much as James Madison and a section of its fan base loves being relevant in December with the FCS playoffs and loves the chance to play for a championship at Frisco, Texas in January regularly, at least over the last, you know, five, six years. Uh, And they won the national championship most recently in 2016, but played in the championship game in 2017 and 2019, got to the FCS semifinals this past spring and, and are in line to make the playoffs again for an eighth straight season this, this fall. Uh, but you're making this move for, for Saturdays in the fall and to have your fans care about each and every week when you're bringing in, uh, if you look at the makeup of the league and how it'll shake out, a uh, Sunbelt East division, which will bring, you know, regular season games with Old Dominion, with Appalachian State, with Georgia Southern, uh, Georgia State, uh, Marshall, uh, regional rivals that the school has a history of. Because if you think about it, all those schools were, FCS or former one yeah. AA programs before. So it's, it, your fan base already has a built-in connection with a lot of those programs because a lot of those schools made the same move James Madison is trying to make now after having immense success at the FCS or one AA level before. So to, to me, that's why you do it. You want to f- fill your stadium, pack the stance every week in the fall, because right now it's just, it's just not happening unless it's homecoming weekend or family weekend in Harrisonburg, because I think, uh, frankly, you know, that the fan base is a little tired of seeing, you know, Moorhead State in a non-conference game. And it's no fault to JMU of, of what their schedule looks like, I think, just because there aren't there aren't many people willing to schedule them out of conference. And then in the CAA, the league just isn't as good and the games aren't competitive because James Madison has outgrown the league. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to jump in here. You you crushed what I was saying. In addition to the TV revenue, I think the gate revenue is also going to improve. Just because, like you said, I mean, look, Appalachian State comes every other year. ODU comes every other year. Marshall comes every other year. And and that's before you even get to Georgia State and Georgia Southern, who, again, you mentioned, both also recently coming up to the FCS. Those, and, you know, my brother and I both went to JMU, and we've been talking about this a lot because we've wanted JMU to go up to FBS ever since we were students there. Um, But I'm excited about those games now. Like, I, I went to JMU, I've been to plenty of FCS games. I went to an FCS national championship. But, mm-hmm. you know, this year when they played Villanova, that's the big game, right, on the schedule at home. And, you know, I went over to Leland's to watch, and I had a much better time doing that because I was like, yeah, hey, Alabama, Texas A&M, <laughs> Texas, Oklahoma. Like, I'm more interested in these games. I didn't go to either of these schools. I don't even root for those teams. But I'm way more interested in those games than I am JMU versus Villanova because I, the FCS, like until the FCS national championship – as a former student, I just don't get up for that. 
No, I, I hear you. And, and there's there's definitely alumni and, and fans of James Madison that feels the, feel, feel the same way that you do, Joe. And if you think about it, I was telling somebody this, is like James Madison's most recognizable opponent, most meaningful opponent uh, over the last over the last five years or so has been North Dakota state and Fargo, North Dakota isn't close to Harrisonburg, Virginia. The <laughs> yeah. last time I looked at a map. So to, to me, I just think when, when you, when you factor that in, you got to give your fans something, you got to give your fans, you know, that, 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 that game to talk about, you know, with at the, at the water cooler at work the next day with, you know, with the old dominion grad, right. Mm-hmm. Uh, or or the Appalachian State grad who you know if, if you're a JMU living alum living in Charlotte uh, maybe you'd make that trip or maybe you'd go to Boone North Carolina uh, because the game has has some importance for you I think with the way football is becoming and, and the way it is you're asking your fans right now to drive you know depending on where they live uh, if they don't live in the, the valley or you know within you know or, or Richmond or Northern Virginia you're probably asking them to drive to Harrisonburg, spend a night or two in a hotel, uh, spend the spend money on tickets, uh, money on you know everything else that goes sure. to the football game for a product that JMU's product is excellent, but what it's matched up against just just isn't and hasn't been, you know for for the most part they have what two losses in the CAA mm-hmm. or three losses excuse me in the CAA since since the start of the 2016 season. Uh, they lost to Elon, which was coached by Kurt Signetti in 2018. They lost to New Hampshire that same season. That 2018 JMU team was not as good uh, as, as you know, the other recent years. And then this year they lost to Villanova, uh, which which has, has been one of the better teams in FCS this season. But other than that, uh, really, uh, the, the competition just hasn't been very good. So before I – go on to other sports being impacted by this. I want to go back to kind of earlier when you were getting into the weeds of what still has to be done. Uh, and you mentioned the Cox bill, which is the reason JMU has to do this. Uh, is that a vote that, you know, kind of like they're worried about? Um, because obviously he put this in here for a reason. Um, and it's only seemingly to make it more difficult for this decision, which I get why it's there. They don't want students to be paying the bill for moving up. And I, as a former student, I respect that. But it does kind of seem like a slam dunk for any school if you get an invite to move up, to move up. Are they they overly worried or is this kind of seen as ceremonial at this point? I I think just from the sources that I've spoken to, they're making sure their their ducks are in a row. They're sure. making sure that presentation is buttoned up, so there's no excuse uh, to say no. Now, my personal take is, you never bring it to the board of visitors, and you never bring it to the general assembly unless you have a pretty good idea they're going to say yes. <laughs> sure, yeah. If, that's, yeah. if that's a fair way to put it, so I, I think from, from James Madison's point of view, and and what I hear from from people I talk to is. They're making sure there's no holes in the presentation. They're making sure that everything can go well from their side. Uh, but my, my, my personal view is you can't take it unless you, unless you have an idea they're going to say yes. So, and, and so this is just change in level, 
not necessarily because they're changing conference. So Old Dominion Correct. Public University didn't have to go through this because they're already FBS. Correct. That's that. That's exactly right. And I think I think part of that probably helps. Right. Old Dominion was not a great financial mm-hmm. spot in, in Conference USA, and now you look at James Madison and them joining the Sun Belt at the same time. Uh, significantly impacting two schools in Virginia. I think that certainly helps. Uh, and I, I know from from sources that I spoke to is, you know, James Madison was the top target in this round of realignment for the Sunbelt Conference. And that, you know, is, is when that opportunity became available and when, uh, you know, they, they, that Marsh, when it became known that Marshall and Old Dominion were possible ads for the Sunbelt that, that James Madison's interest really became enhanced. And I, I think Old Dominion's the same way. I've heard I've heard it a few times that, you know, both schools want to be in the same league. Both schools uh, think there's kind of a natural rivalry there. And, and I think so, sure. too. I think those games are going to be absolutely yeah. fantastic. Basketball, football, mm-hmm. uh, and, and even the non-revs uh, are going to be awesome. So let's talk about that. Um, I, football definitely drives the bus. That's why they're making the move. No doubt. But I view this Sun Belt as a benefit for all the sports. Um, I know some of the sports, I think there's two now because the Sun Belt off, uh, announced today that they're bringing back men's soccer as a conference sport. So that solves the men's soccer problem. So I think it's field hockey and the other one is swimming. swimming. Uh, lac- lacrosse. Lacrosse. Too. Okay. Right. So still a handful of sports that aren't offered, but. I think for the sports that are, I think it only helps. Softball. I think that's another great example of a team that had outgrown the CAA. I mean, they were, it was oh like a goodness, surprise yes. when they were getting runs scored on them. So now they're going to the Sun Belt, a conference which put in multiple tournament teams, and the Raging Cajuns in Louisiana are another top 25 team. Oh, yeah. That, that's going to be absolutely awesome for them because they're going to be tested now more regularly week in and week out uh, in the Sun Belt as opposed to the the CAA, which, you know, everybody else is playing for second place in that that CAA softball league uh, compared to what James Madison has done, and especially with them uh, only increasing the gap between them and everyone else in the CAA with with what they did this past spring and going to the Women's College World Series – uh, and even baseball, too. The Sun Belt's a very good baseball league, decent baseball league. Uh, so that'll be good for the baseball program as it gets going. And I, I expect the baseball program to make a, a pretty good jump this spring. I know they've been down for a while. Right. But honestly, with, with what they have there and Chase DeLauder, I'm talking about for this year, and, and maybe it'll help them in future years if they can build off of it and recruit mm-hmm. well, uh, that, they, that it could help them as they go into uh, the Sun Belt Conference. And uh, as far as some of the other non-revs, I, I mean, I think men's soccer, that league mm-hmm. has a real potential to be pretty good. Marshall is defending national champ. James Madison has been in the NCAA tournament uh, the la- each of the last few years. And uh, you throw in some of the schools that already play against each other that, that have soccer in that league and that, uh, that, that have to play in an affiliate league right now because the Sunbelt doesn't offer men's soccer currently but will. Uh, I think that league is is going to be very, very competitive. And uh, I think, you know, JMU wasn't going to make any decision that, that jeopardized the future of some of its really, really good athletic programs and teams. Uh, and, and I think, you know, as much as football drives it, this moves great for, for a lot of different sports. Now, uh, it seems like James Madison is going to have to find a home for 
lacrosse, which won a national championship in 2018 uh, under the coach Shelly Claus. And uh, that'll be fine. There, there are other fits there, potential fits with the American and with the Big East that, that could be. Field hockey is in the same boat. Mm-hmm. Swimming and diving, they got to figure something out. Uh, but I think overall, comprehensively, uh, it, it's this is a home run move for, for JMU. Okay, so you said American Big East. I was going to ask for some of those sports: is staying in the CAA in just those sports an option, or do you think the CAA is going to not want anything to do with JMU? There, there is some some precedent there, right? Like Richmond left the league uh, and went to the A10, but but stayed in in CAA football. Mm-hmm. I know it's a little bit different when football is involved, uh, but. So there's some precedent there. I don't think so personally. Okay. Uh, but I know a lot of that stuff has to be worked out behind the scenes. And that kind of rolls into my next question was, was the remaining timeline, you know, you still have time in the CAA and then, you know, how much more time in the CAA is it, you know, I, I what I've been reading is the 22 season next school year, 22 in the fall, 23 in the spring, and then everybody's going to go at the same time. Is that accurate or is there any possibility of very variable in that area? Yeah, I, I think that's, that's still being worked out too. I, I know football wise, the traditional timeline in, in terms of a transition to the FBS is two years. And I talked a little bit about that with, with Mickey Matthews in a story I wrote uh, last week in the DNR, Mickey Matthews, the former James yeah. Madison coach. And he spoke a little bit about that transition and just, you know, how, how tough it can be on a team because you're ramping up your scholarships, but at the same time, you're not playing for anything. And it's as much as you may have access to better players, coaches will try to use that against you that you can't play for a championship. You can't play for a bowl game for, for two years. So I think the faster they can get in the league, the better. Uh, but if they have to go through that transition, I think they'll be okay. It'll, it'll stink football wise, not, not being able to play for something, uh, but overall, uh, it's going to open up so many more doors to, to players they haven't had access to before. So I think that transition will be very, very interesting. And Kurt Cignetti and his staff already do a really good job in a state recruiting. Uh, but as far as the timeline goes, I think that still has to be worked out. I know uh, with the other three schools that have joined Southern Miss, Marshall, and Old Dominion, they have a start date uh, of no later than July 1, 2023. I would assume that'll be the line used for, for James Madison, uh, but maybe it's sooner. Uh, the CAA exit fee, so you guys know, is a million dollars plus another 250K for CAA football. Uh, so, so it's <laughs> write a check. <laughs> write a check. It's, yeah. It's, 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 not, it's not astronomical. No. The, the, the donor base, I think, can afford that, just in my Give opinion. Give them back all that flow sports money. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> but uh but yeah so that's that's kind of where it's at and so <laughs> sorry that's <laughs> uh, that's just the ocean's eight line of like I, a million I mean, dollars i'm just like okay <laughs> <laughs> like in terms of a college athletic budget it's not all that much um but <laughs> yeah so i i i'm interested too and i i have been like i said earlier pro fbs for a long time so i just want to squash another big fcs you know i guess it's not even doesn't matter they're moving unless the general assembly does something unexpected but when people are saying oh well we won't be able to get those transfers like we used to that rule change is going to help jmu that gets rid of that one year where they have to sit out 
Oh, yeah. They, they, they're going to absolutely, I think, benefit from the transfer stuff. Yes. Yeah. They're going to get better think, transfers. Yeah. I think, oh, yeah. They're going to get kids that, that want to play FBS football and that, you know, maybe they left the state of Virginia uh, to go play at somewhere at another ACC, another ACC school or, you know, uh, you know, an SEC school or a Big Ten school. Uh, and maybe they don't get on the field as much as they want, but they want to come home and play Division One FBS football. All of a sudden, James Madison's a destination mm-hmm. uh, that that maybe they might have looked at before because they know some teammate, former high school teammates or guys they played against in high school. Uh, maybe they they looked at it but didn't take it seriously before. Some of those kids will take it seriously now and simply go because it's the FBS level, at, at least in my opinion. That that kind of goes, I think, for for even recruiting high school kids is that uh, you'll walk in a living room and, and, you know, if those kids don't have an offer from Virginia or Virginia tech uh, that, that if they get an offer from JMU, then they have that option to stay in a state and play FBS football. That makes a, that makes a huge difference because for every kid they, they got that wanted to win a championship and thought that was a very cool aspect of going to JMU there are probably, you know, four or five kids they missed out on that simply just wanted to play FBS ball. I just can't come up with a negative, man. Like, I, I keep thinking through all this and, and everything you said, whether I've read what you've written already or what or, or reading Twitter. Um, with that, I appreciate how Frank Mickey Matthews was about it. And it's just, <laughs> it's best. all He's good. It's yeah, all Mickey's good. That's all, I'm, yeah. that's all I'm gathering. And, and, and while there might be some wake-up calls shortly after the transition, JMU is going to rise to UK. Like they'll they'll be competitive in that conference across many different sports. And so, like I just can't I can't find the negative. I I, I wake me up to it if there is one. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think like you said, there, there's going to be some growing sure. pains. I mean, it's just natural yeah. football side to think to think JMU is going to roll through undefeated against schools that have already made the transition and are accomplished at that level, like Appalachian State and Georgia Southern and Marshall and Old Dominion. Old Coastal Dominion, Carolina. Not, not Coastal yeah. Carolina. But it's reachable. I mean, like, it, yeah. it's right. It's not unattainable. But right now, yeah. uh, you know, as, Mickey, as Mickey put it to me, those schools are better players than JMU. I put it pretty bluntly. Uh, like you always and, uh, <laughs> and so they're, they're going to have to recruit a little higher level of player going forward. But, I mean, I, I don't think that that's something that, can not happen. You know, I think JMU is totally capable of, of improving it, like the caliber of player it has and, and will. So, yeah. And and I think you're right. And I know one of the things that people have said is, Oh, well, we're not playing for a national championship anymore. And it's not realistic, but there's already talk of expanding the college football playoff to 12 and making sure at least one G five team gets in. And if honestly, for JMU getting up in 2023 is a benefit there because I, I agree with you, Greg. I think, you know, maybe the first two years are a little rough and maybe you're hoping maybe bowl game is at the, the ceiling for you those first two years if everything falls into place. But Appalachian State and Coastal Carolina both made that move and both got pretty successful relatively quickly. Uh, Coastal yeah. Carolina was an FCS team when I was in college. Appalachia State was an FCS team when I was in college, yep. and they're already in the top 25 playing nationally televised games on ESPN and ESPN2. So, uh, yeah, I, I, I don't think that's impossible for JMU. And what I would say to the you know national championship stuff, uh, 
what I always say when someone says that to me is, do you watch the D2 or D3 National Championship? And the answer is always no, because they don't care. And I'm like, okay, well, that's how everybody else feels about the FCS Championship. Like, it doesn't matter. It's the equivalent as the side bowl. I I will say people care about the championship game uh, to to some degree. it, it, It does do pretty well ratings wise. I think the JMU North Dakota state championship yeah. games were over 2 million, but it's got yeah, when you put first. an NFL playoff game behind it. That, that right. Really exactly. Helps <laughs> and, well, yeah. And that, and that, that championship game in 19 was on ABC. So that helps too. Uh, yeah. And, and it helped that Trey Lance was playing in the game. I mean, yeah. everybody wanted to see what Trey Lance was all about. Uh, but to me, um, you know, it's still um, playing for a championship versus playing for a third tier bowl game in most years, because you're going to, to get that, even if the playoff expands to get in that playoff, you're going to have to have a perfect season. I mean, a perfect regular yeah. season, uh, an outlier type of year. Well, but if they're taking years. like that, the top six conference so, champions, I mean, somebody has got to be that sixth best exactly. conference champion. Oh so, yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. And, and I still think, I still think for as much as people love the playoff, uh, as much as people love that FCS postseason and playing for a title, the Saturdays in the fall are more important, right? I mean, I, I you know, the Saturdays uh, when the stadium is is half empty because JMU games. because JMU's up on Elon uh, by thirty points going <laughs> into the, going into yeah. halftime, right? I mean, that's that's why you make the move. You do it for good games on Saturdays, and you take whatever you can get. And and the money for the bowl games are better too. Yes. The FCS postseason is a total loser because. You, you lose a million. What Mickey tell me? You, you he lo- they lost a million bucks when they won a national championship in two thousand four. Uh, the school. Uh, so to me, you can't have that financially. And and bowl games always going to put you in a positive, uh, money wise at least from the television revenue. Yeah, it, it, I've been make that's part of my argument at the FBS level about the time they do. The universities still value Saturdays, September, October, November. As much money as there's to be made in December and January on that playoff, they don't want to lose money. They don't want to disincentivize what September through November can do inside their home stadiums and their hometowns and their home crowds. Like the schools still care about that. And now, and this gives Jamie the opportunity to be a part of that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's, you know, I, if, you just feel like they haven't had a big game in a regular season unless they're playing an FBS school. I mean, frankly, right. yeah. I mean, that's, that's just, that's just the reality of it. They were fortunate enough to, and they did a really good job of it to schedule a home and home at, with Weber state. Uh, and that that's one of the better FCS programs, but it didn't resonate nationally. Like it's, it's not going to outdo what a big FBS game does. It's not going to draw that kind of attention. Uh, and and now that they now that they're in a conference or likely soon to be uh, maybe Friday, uh, likely <laughs> Friday, um, you know they're going to have that chance to play Coastal Carolina on ESPN two or ESPNU or ESPN maybe on a, on a Wednesday or Thursday night, right? Yeah, um, and have that chance to to be showcased and gain. Well, what? Let's not forget Virginia Tech made their name on Thursday nights oh, and they wow. played a lot of Wednesday nights when it mattered. I mean, and that's that's in the Big East that was putting up national championship contenders. Like people act like these lower G5s can't, you know, they're playing on Tuesday, Wednesday night. I mean, there's a big benefit to being the only game on in town. And plus if you're only doing that once once a season, it's it's not a big deal. I mean, go enjoy a Thursday night. You'll figure out student and staff parking 
<laughs> once you get used to it. But it's <laughs> it's just gonna be it's it's so good to be the only game in town. It, it's it's the best. Yeah, I I couldn't agree more. I think they'll be buzzed. The, the community will rally around it, um, and and it'll be it'll be really exciting for for James Madison and its players. I think its players will love the fact that they're going to get challenged every single week. I mean, they, they get hyped up for every game now uh, and they focus on that. And I think, you know, when you take that next step, you're not going to have games where, where, where you can afford not to be fully focused and locked in. And, and they're, they're really going to have that opportunity week in week out to show that you, you can play competition and still be good, really good competition and still be good. Well, speaking of the opposite of that, JMU has Campbell this weekend. Really, the only thing I'm going to ask you is put put give me a spread, give me a number on this thing. Well, that's that's tough. I, I mean, it's got to be it's got to be at least four or five touchdowns. I would yeah. think. Yeah. Um, Campbell, uh, they the, they do have one common opponent. Uh, Campbell lost to Elon earlier this season. Uh, James Madison beat Elon this past Saturday. Uh, I would think James Madison rolls in this game. Campbell, I give I give the the Fighting Camels. Well, they have a great nickname too, but I give the <laughs> Fighting Camels some credit for what they did in the, the COVID year in 2020. They played uh, four games all against FBS schools, so I don't think they'll be intimidated coming to JMU. So I give I, I think that 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 does account for something. And then uh, just as far as the talent on the roster, I think I counted 14 FBS transfers on their roster this year. Oh. Uh, so they'll have some they'll have some more talented players. I think this game is is better than you know a Moorhead State or a Central Connecticut State schools that have come in, in the past and JMU has just absolutely wiped the floor with. Uh, so I think that it's a better game than that, but still still a game JMU should have no trouble with. So so I won't see seventy. I'm going to the game this weekend, so I won't see seventy. You, is what you're, you're telling me? You're not going to see seventy. <laughs> I, I, I doubt it. You never know. Uh, but I think you're probably looking at more of a 50, you know, 45 to 55, something like that in terms of what Jamie will score. Gotcha. Well, we, we talked we talked about politics and conferences and money and very little bit about the active season. But, Greg, thanks for coming on with this. Uh, hopefully we get you back here during the FCS playoffs and, and setting things up for what the Dukes can do uh, while they're still in the FCS. Yeah, happy to do it, guys, and I always appreciate you having me on. Well, thanks for coming, and we'll see you next time. All right, Leland, I want to thank Greg again for coming on and talking Sunbelt Funbelt with us and how that's going to impact JMU. Obviously, Leland and I have been clamoring for this for a while, so good news. He knows it up and down, man. I, I'm always impressed uh, with, every time he comes on. He, he knows what he's covering. I mean, that's that's a fact. And uh, he knew every which way, every angle on that, on the expansion. So mm-hmm. always appreciate him coming on. And you can always trust him to be an expert on whatever he's covering. Yeah, I agree. Leland, what is dominating your life? I think I've talked about this before, but it's been a while. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to change my angle on this. Joe, I challenge you to get on your Netflix at some point in the next few weeks and start watching some New Girl. It is a series that came on Fox some years ago, and the early seasons particularly are very funny. We're in we're on a unplanned rewatch. I there was something that happened on some other show or some some reference New Girl, and I was like, I want to see this part in New Girl, and it was like 
something like mid first season. And I just clicked into that episode and then we've been running ever since for the last few weeks. And uh, it's just like the background uh, when we can watch whatever we like. It's, it's a, a show, not for my children, but like, you know, in the evenings or something after they've gone to bed and we're not necessarily just going to sit there and watch every word of something. We've been watching that. So I think it is worth your time. I do not think you'll hate it. There's some I'm in really the middle good of it. characters. Yeah. Oh, are you? Mm-hmm. It's just How did you not tell me? Well, because I planned on saying something when I got deeper into the show. I think Man. I'm in like the middle of season two or something, I think. Are I don't even know. It? It's been a while. Yeah, it's fine. It's just I stepped away from it to watch something else that was like you had just come, come out that I was really interested in and yeah. um I haven't gone back. Right now I just recently went back to uh Shit's Creek, so Winston's character, I mean, as most shows, they get exaggerated as they go. Like, everybody's character gets more and more exaggerated, though Schmidt is obviously exaggerated to begin with. Uh, but, like, uh, Winston's character kind of adjusts in a lot of funny ways. Uh, but then also Cece's character, you get, to, like, a lot more of her, and that's good. Because, like, by the end of that series, it's less of a focus on Jess, uh, who's Zoe played Deschanel. by... Uh, yeah, Zoe Chanel. Uh, and more just like the group and and it's I don't know the last seasons are not great I, and I know that and we're kind of great into that well area you're now. doing a good job selling it now I definitely but the get first three seasons I, I think it was absolutely worth watching that Halloween episode in like season two and and Nick has to go into the uh the haunted house oh my god oh I've seen so that funny. okay then I'm in the, maybe screaming. I'm in season three at this point because I did see uh, that episode where he's well, in that'd be like or I guess that maybe maybe that's earlier season two that I'm giving credit for but like I think that's season two, but uh, there's some good stuff and they don't get stuck in too many ruts. They kind of move in and out of, of different things enough to, to keep it interesting. And I, I, I'm not going to, I, when you get to season four or five, you're going to start to question me, but I, I claim seasons one through three. And so I'm glad you're watching it. Yeah. I, I now recommend it to everybody. Yeah, no, I mean, I've watched it and it's just, <sighs> Yeah, like I said, I didn't have a problem with it. It was just something like I had been, I stepped out to watch another show, and I was like, oh, okay, and kind of was just. Kinda... I, I think it's really well written, and I, I was like looking up the writers and producers and stuff because I want to see more from those people because I, I think there's like a lot of aspects of what, not every episode's perfect and not, I mean, it's not a perfect show, and, and it's not like I'm saying it's better than you know, the top shows out there, but like, I think it's underrated. And I think there's some like really good writing in there that is funny. And I don't know. I just appreciate that show. Uh, Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I, I, um, I'll probably get back to it eventually, but I'm in the middle of season two. I just checked and confirmed, but yeah, I'm in the middle of season two and I know myself. I know that right now I find, Shit's Creek to be a funnier show, so I'm probably gonna finish that first. And I watched. I mean, I watched Shit's Creek. <laughs> I just said it wrong there. Um, uh, <laughs> we. Uh, I don't know. I probably say you my don't like that judgment. show. I like it. I thought it was good, but like, I don't. I actually, I don't know if I'll ever watch it. I think it was good to watch once, and that was good. I yeah. just. I don't find myself. Uh, having much interest in cutting it back on maybe yeah it's um, good i think so i mean i think dave i think the way they handle the stuff in Shit's creek is great and i think i've said that on the podcast before like the way they handle david 
and his life, I think is great because that's the way things need to be. Like it's not the focus, uh, you know, it's, it's accepted and everything, you know, and I, I think that's great, but yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Um, it's good. Yeah. Uh, right now I know. Do you watch curb? Yeah, but I've stepped away from that's another show I watched. It's coming back. And I yeah, I've never done it. I haven't seen the new seasons. I haven't seen any never, of the new seasons and um, I never did the old either. I've only ever seen clips and and portions. I would say the old is if you like Seinfeld, you'll like Curb Your Enthusiasm. If yeah. you didn't like Seinfeld, you'll hate it. Um but cuz he's like a mixture of like George and Jerry at different times mm-hmm. and probably more George than mm-hmm. Jerry, but Yes. In yeah, fact, there's an episode I, I, where people yeah. are like bashing the George character be like no one would ever be like that. And he's like, <laughs> I'm like that. And um, so, yeah, he gets offended when people say they hated George. Um, but <laughs> I loved it. I saw a clip from one of the new shows where he's like, everybody's going around the circle, like introducing themselves to this uh, veteran, uh, like a young veteran. And uh, they're like, thank you for your service. Thank you for your service. And it's like all back and forth, like more than just thank you for service, like really good, big thank you. And then it gets to him and he's just like, nice to meet you. And it's just like, <laughs> silences the room and i'm just like that is a hilarious idea (laughs) yeah he's he is something else um that sounds funny but um it also reminds me of the bojack where he's dealing with uh the nate beal the seal the navy beal the navy seal uh he's like i don't even like muffins (laughs) <laughs> but he eats them out of principle. Um, but yeah, yeah. I I also know Succession's on and right now with a new season, and so I'll be watching that because I love that show on HBO. Did you watch Yellowstone? Yeah, I'm waiting for the new season of that. It's coming back here in November. Yeah, gotta be waiting for, for the that. new season of that. Got to see who survives and who gets axed there. But if all of them survive, I'm not gonna lie. I'm gonna be a little upset. I think one of them's got to go. I almost don't care which one, but you, I think for realism's sake, one of them's got to go. It can't be the only guy I actually kind of like. <laughs> uh, the brother who's married to the Native American girl. Like, I like him. Yeah. His name's escaping like me right now, but yeah. Casey. Cody or something. Casey, Casey yeah. All right, what do you got next? What I have, um, I'll let you go with the what you need to know, what you know that we need to know. I'll keep, since we're running on time, I'll only do one, and I'll defer uh, okay. after we tell people where to find us in case they don't want to hear my topic. Sounds good. Uh, Joe, I'm not sure if you know this. NASCAR still exists. They're still racing. You know what? I, you actually, I actually did know this because they were racing at Martinsville, and – um, it just it popped up on my timeline because somebody I knew was going. So uh, actually, you say that Clark, the great guest that we had that does mm-hmm. the artwork for Virginia Tech in his past and present, he was in Atlanta Friday night for the World Series game, went to the Virginia Tech game Saturday afternoon, stayed for the World Series game Saturday night, hustled back and went was at the Martinsville race this weekend. That dude lives the life. That almost I like sounds. To just call him and ask him about his weekend. Yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong. If that was like my job, I'd love it. But uh, that to do that like for fun almost sounds painful. If I'm being honest, just because I know you're getting know, no man. sleep between Atlanta and Martinsville. 
Yeah. I, I, I'd like to try it. Sure. I'd love to be able to complain about the sleep I didn't have, but yeah, I, I think so, at a certain point during that Martinsville race, I would have fallen asleep during the race. I think like, I honestly think that would have happened Probably because you're wearing so, those earmuffs that muff muffle it. And then you're just having like the hum. It's like white noise at a certain point. So the NASCAR race did happen to Martinsville last week. The guys that qualified for the final four guys that all race this coming week at Phoenix. It's not Miami. The last race this year, it's Phoenix 3 PM NBC. I'm talking about it. Cause I just, I know we started the season and then we never really talked about it through the summer. And especially after it went on NBC, I don't even see ads for it for whatever reason. Yeah, I guess they I don't, don't advertise it at all. Yeah. So Kyle Larson, Chase Elliott, Denny Hamlin, Martin Truex Jr. One of those four guys is about to be champion. Who you got? I'll root for Denny. Yeah, that's where I'm at. I don't know who's going to win. Ties. He's yeah. from Chesterfield, and I think a lot of his crew are some Virginia Tech guys and stuff. So, I Kyle Larson on that list. Just that was the. Oh, there he is. Yeah, he stands out. Um, but yeah, just I, after what has what we've been through. So, right. Um, yeah. Yeah, I just, I don't know, man. For me, NASCAR's not the same. After I got into yeah, F1. it isn't. After I got into F1 and all the stuff with that. What are you talking about? You weren't exciting. talking about NASCAR before you were watching this F1 stuff either. Yeah, but I was more, if I was like, you know what, I want to watch a race, it would have been NASCAR. Now that I have started to get into F1, oh, that's awesome. Plus, the best part about that is it's not every weekend, so I don't feel like it's a commitment I have to make every weekend. I can, like, space it out. I. I just know when I was young into the workforce and I was working summer jobs and that's during the meat of the season. I mean, it was like Monday, Tuesday, people talking about the last race and Friday, people talking about the race upcoming. I'm at work now with guys that I'm sure are NASCAR fans or have been in their life. I'd never talk about NASCAR at work anymore. So I, it's bad for that sport. I, they're going to have to radically change something there to, to keep that afloat. I would not disagree. I think they probably need to make changes. I don't know what they can does, do. But does Junior have a Dale the third coming along? Because I think that's what this word is about the only thing they yeah, can do. They have an arch manning of NASCAR. Or Jeff along Gordon here? have a kid that wants to race, something <laughs> like that. Yeah. Um Yeah, that's what they need. But uh before I kick it over to Leland, I said I'm deferring mine in case people don't want to hear it. Uh just so you're aware, it is about the Chicago Blackhawks. Uh, scandal that happened last oh, week, yeah. and then also tying that in a little bit with the investigation going on in the NFL with the Washington football team. So if that's something you don't want to hear about because it is a little bit graphic, uh, especially on the Blackhawks end, we're only going to get so graphic on this podcast, but it is about sensitive material that you may or may not want to hear uh, in case there's young people or a business that you're running that maybe you don't want that kind of topic covered <laughs> while you're playing it just warning you now so i will let leland tell you where to find us just to make sure before we, before we get into yak uh late night yak here we're gonna have a reminder of following us on twitter and facebook at yak sports pod or email us yak sports pod at gmail.com you can subscribe to us on all the popular uh pod casting ways Podbean, apple google and spotify you type in yac sports podcast you're gonna find us so uh, look for us there. Make sure you're telling your friends. We have a lot of good high school football playoff action coming. This is this is the prime of our coverage uh, coming up. 
uh, where it's been fun covering everybody for a while, but we can really dig in deep to these playoff teams. It's going to be a lot of fun and uh, a lot of big games to be had. So make sure you guys are tuning in and make sure you're telling your friends and we'll be back next week with more yak sports podcast, but first a little late night yak. So if uh, you don't want it, turn us off. We'll see you next week. But Joe, I, I don't know a lot about this Blackhawk scandal. I, I caught wind of it. Uh, I know people have lost their jobs. So honestly, uh, do give me just a little bit of review here of what's happened. I know a lot of times we jump into these conversations like everybody knows what we're talking about, but uh, I don't think this has been talked about in the press as much. So let's, let's talk about it a little bit. Right. So there has been quite a bit of fallout and a lot of people losing their jobs, right. as you said. But uh, kind of getting into the initial part of it, there has been an issue of the Chicago Blackhawks, excuse me. Uh, I believe it was in 2010 during their run. It was 2010. uh, Had the video assistant get involved uh, with how it was described in the report was inappropriate sexual event with a player that had played most of his hockey that year on the minor league team, but had been called up. Uh, The player reported it to team officials. Team officials had a meeting about it right after they had won the Western Conference Finals, getting ready to go into the Stanley Cup, and they elected to deal with it after the Stanley Cup, Uh, which obviously not great. Um, So they wait until after the Stanley Cup, Blackhawks win the Stanley Cup. They had the celebration. This video assistant is still on the team, still has his name on that trophy, still was involved with the celebrations with the player who's going by uh, John Doe in the NHL report. And uh, which I should say the video assistant's name is Aldrich. And uh, so it's just troubling from the sense that you and I have talked about this before in terms of players getting passes. And you're seeing it here where a video assistant was deemed, and really, in my opinion, no one should be above this. Uh, if this kind of thing happens, that person, there should be an immediate investigation. If it's proven that that person did it, they lose their job on the spot. Fired, see you later, no questions asked. But because the Blackhawks decided not to do it that way, here's where it gets really troubling. Brad Aldrich gets let go quietly after the Stanley Cup, after their celebration. They let him go in the offseason quietly. But because it was not reported to authorities, Brad Aldrich gets jobs, other jobs. This kind of thing happens at his other places of employment, including when he was volunteering at a high school in Michigan And so then it happens to a minor. And that is another part of this investigation that is really troubling because the Chicago Blackhawks had just done what they were supposed to do at the beginning. Obviously, that high school probably wouldn't have brought him on as volunteer because they would have known, hey, this guy can't be with can't be in a school. So it's just it's upsetting to see that. Um, And it, it shines a light on what I think you and I have touched on. And I think you and I agree on this. Obviously, we want teams we follow and teams we root for to win. 
But there are things more important than winning. And protecting human beings should be part of that. This guy should have been let go the second the allegations got to them and they, the Blackhawks should have done an investigation or better yet reported it to authorities for them to do the investigation. And then you can handle it. But saying, well, we want to hold, we're going to wait until after the Stanley Cup to deal with this because we don't want it to affect team chemistry. Man, I can't imagine how it affected that guy's chemistry. Like, that has got to yeah. be really upsetting to hear the people in charge in the room thought it would be better to just wait until after the Stanley Cup because they're worried yeah, that that's going to throw off, you know, or be a distraction and they're not going to win a championship because of it. How, I mean, how do we get – I know you, you hear the phrase, you know, the team is more in person than the one, you know, the sum is – but, like, not crimes. I mean, we're talking about, like, <laughs> within the sport action yeah. and, and playing time and, and uh, practice. And yeah, not getting the puck enough or something. Yeah, yeah, that's what that's commitment about. Commitment to the team, not yeah. – you know, crimes being a victim of a crime. Yeah. Yeah. It's ridiculous. And uh, it's, I mean, then if it, I mean, and I know this is where you're going to go. It's just that word culture right there. That's, that's what that is. You know, we talk about these players that get preferential treatment or the better, the player, the less severe they get punished and that kind of stuff. And people say that's culture when you're letting anybody on the staff get away with stuff. I mean, that is absolute to the core culture, you know, just, just perfect example. Like, this is why when you do see the more flashy names and bigger, like when that stuff's going wrong, people talk about culture and you need to squash that. Because this is what it leads to. When, when it gets down to it doesn't matter what happens at any level, anywhere, you know, you're okay with this happening. That's why it can't, be, it can't be acceptable at any level going back up the ladder. It cannot be acceptable because this is what it breeds is, is a culture that allows for this. There, Multiple people are aware and all come up with the same decision of, deal with it later and this you know winning a game is more important yeah you know oof. and then you have also uh like we touched on there at the top the the fallout so chicago general manager stan bowman out senior vp of hockey relations al mcisaac out for chicago joel quinville who was the coach of the blackhawks at the time one of the most successful coaches in the history of hockey i think he's second in terms of all-time wins, uh, coaching the Florida Panthers, they had the best record in hockey, has resigned. Uh, he was going to be, I was listening to it today because I was a little bit behind on Lebetard, and they talked about it a little bit. He was on pace to be the second coach ever to win a 1,000 games in the NHL. So he is down. He's resigned. I don't know if he gets another job because he's up there in age. I don't know if he gets another job. Um, and again, all these people are resigning because they were in that room when that decision was made to not do anything about it. Um, that's upsetting. And, or at least yeah. not do the right thing. And the other uh, reason I wanted to bring this up is because I think it ties into the NFL investigation that we see going on where Roger Goodell says, well, we're not going to release the report of the Washington football team investigation. Uh, because we want to protect people. We want to protect the victims and X, Y, Z. Which, on its, when you hear just that, what a noble thing for Roger Goodell to do to protect the victims' <laughs> anonymity. But right, yeah. there's no reason they can't do what the NHL did here. 
They could call them Jane Doe. Jane Doe 1, Jane Doe 2, Jane Doe 3. They could do that. Keep these people's anonymity. And, and the reason they the won't, though, is because it involves, it, and you're right, it's different in this sense, it involves owners. I think this goes all the way to the top. And there is no way the commissioner, for. yeah, the commissioner does not yeah. want to embarrass the owner. This would be right. incredibly embarrassing for the NFL if it turns out that their owner, who had the Washington football team would be Dan Snyder in this case, knew about this, even worse, participated in some of this inappropriate behavior in the workplace. It would be so troubling for the NFL. But again, we're more worried about protecting the image of the shield. We're more worried about protecting the owner versus protecting the victim. And that's the problem. Again, it's we wonder why people, and, and people do this all the time, when, when people come out you know, years or decades later after something has happened to them and say, this happened to me, and people's first reaction is, why did you wait so long? Why did you wait so long? This is why. Because people in power have a way to make sure nothing happens. And honestly, uh, I, the re- one of the reporters, or excuse me, one of the attorneys for one of the victims uh, in this sexual assault case with the Washington football team said that that reasoning that Roger Goodell gave was nonsense. They want to see punishment. They want to see justice. And by keeping this under, under wraps, there's no justice. Justice can't be done if this never sees the light of day. And it, it's just... It's disheartening. It is, it is the NFL saying, don't tell us. We don't want to know. Don't tell us. The one person who's paid is John Gruden. That's the one person who's paid in all of this. It's sad. Because it's not just John Gruden. I, I don't believe for a second in all of those emails and all, of the, all that investigation that John Gruden and uh, uh, what was his name that was at Washington? Bruce, Bruce Allen. Allen. I don't believe for a second those were the only two people involved in inappropriate behavior in that workplace. It's already been written about in the Washington Post earlier last year that it wasn't. But I don't think it just goes to those people. I think this is a top-down problem there. And there's not going to be any punishment for Dan Snyder or anyone else that's still at the organization. There's just not going to be because the NFL is going to cover this up. And that's, that's sad. I think it's disgusting. Yep, it is. No way around that. I don't, I don't have much to add. It's just, uh, yeah, all bad. All bad. And again, I, 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 just, I just hate right. it because there's, there's – I love sports. You love sports. That's why we have a podcast and we talk about it all the time because we love sports. But you and I also talk about this – We've said it on this podcast. There are things in life more important than sports. Protecting human beings I, is I, more important than sports. I changed my baseball fandom because of what I considered inappropriate just imagery at a at the favorite team that I had for baseball and and knowing I was raising people and I want them to be good people and value the right things. So this is so far beyond something like that. And yeah, this this makes you sick about sport the prioritization of sports i realize it's a business and it's people's jobs and livelihood are you accepting this at a post office like (laughs) no like 
if the post, if this kind of behavior is going on in a post office, you would not stand for it. So just because we watch these people on TV shouldn't make anybody view this all differently. And and that the fact that it does just well, just because someone around. owns a team, it's money doesn't mean they should be treated differently. Nope. The law is the law. Workplaces, hostile workplaces, are something that should not exist anywhere. You should not put up with what is reported in this investigation is going on. And if, hey, if the NFL investigated it and it's not there, release the report. But here's the thing. If the NFL investigated this and there was nothing to these claims, they would release the report. They're not releasing the report because there's something there and they don't want you to see it. Because, Because the bad PR of covering it up is better than the PR that they would have if they released it. And it's 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 sick. I'm it's just upsetting. It's upsetting yeah, and there's um, nothing there's no positive spin. There's no and but there's also no like there's no more. I, I agree with you wholeheartedly. It's just I, I kinda missed this Blackhawks thing over the weekend. I just I I wasn't well on and top of it. I, it's something that has evolved, right? Because at the beginning yeah. of the season, I think there was starting to be rumblings about this investigation and these lawsuits. Because once it involved the minors, when they started looking into this guy, and they're like, uh, whoa, what is this? And this player came out and also said that, yes, this happened to me. And uh, so now that was when the investigation happened, and everyone was asked, hey, did you know about this? The coach uh, uh, Quinville said, I didn't know about this. And then once they started doing some investigating, it was like, uh, you were in the room. And that's, that's why he had to resign. Um, that's why some other people had to resign in this story as well is because they were denying that they were in the room. Turns out they were in the room. Um, and it's for the decision to move forward. Yes. And for the decision to move forward and not, not do the right thing about it. And again, I think that's, I'm not asking them to even really for them to investigate it because that's not their role. But you turn it over to authorities because that's who's supposed to investigate. Yep. It's no different than, you know, if something were to happen at a school, you know, they're required by law to report that. They don't investigate it. They're required by law to report it. It should be no different for the Chicago Blackhawks. It should be no different for the Washington football team. The law should apply to them whether they're a professional sports entity or a professional sports owner, whether they have billions of dollars or a dollar, the law should apply the same way. And I, it's, I'm not naive enough to think that's how the world operates, but it, it's disgusting when it doesn't, and then it's disgusting to see it being held up by someone like Roger Goodell, who's, I'm sorry, but if this investigation... If he's involved, you know what, you're putting it. You're putting it too narrow on him. He he works for the owner. It's the collective group of the owners. Because if the other owners had a big problem with 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 Roger, well, there's Duda, one owner that wants it out. Yeah, because his coach is already gone. But like, it's collectively owner. And if we want to start ruling them out, but that's that's the thing. That's the thing. You're putting it on Goodell because Goodell carries that name. But when you say Goodell, you're saying 32 owners. Okay, but let's. But here's the so reason I'm it's, saying it's Goodell, shame right? Shame on all of them is the thing. But it's here's not just Goodell. He's doing I hear what you. he's told to do. It's 32 owners. It's the culture of the league. 
not just Washington, the league. I, I hear what you're saying. Yes, his job is dependent on making the NFL owners happy. And if a majority of the owners wanted him, it, they fire him. Yep. If the majority of the owners wanted this out there, it would be out there. You're not wrong about that. But what I would say to that is how long has Roger Goodell been commissioner of the NFL? How much is his salary? If they fired him tomorrow, is he going to be hard up for cash? I mean, how? I, no, but it, yeah, there's that scenario in all these cases. All these, all these hockey coaches that we've just talked about, they're sitting well, not as well as Roger Goodell, but they're all sitting well too. I, yeah, that's the problem with. Yeah, I'm for them, they prioritize winning. In general, right in the in the Blackhawks room, it was prioritizing winning over everything else. For Roger Goodell, uh, it's about protecting a billionaire sleazeball. I, I, and others, and other billionaire sleazeballs. Who, sadly, probably have all, I don't know how, that's the other question here, right? Because if they're willing to cover this up, what, what else do we not know about? What else is going on with these NFL owners where they're like, you know what, we don't want this out there? Because honestly, if the other 31 NFL owners cared too, like they like to pretend they do during, you know, National Women's Month and we're trying to sell women's apparel on nflshop.com and and make the money off of it and all that if they actually cared this would be a bigger deal this would be you know what that's disgusting release the information do the investigation release the information and we want these people out of our league we don't want to be associated with them that would be what happens but that's not what's happening heck one panthers owner had to sell his team because of something going on yeah, they made we the, don't yeah, even know what happened there. He got out quick. Yep. It's not Donald Sterling where we found out a lot of information out of that. It's it's different there and pro- probably worse. But um, I'll tell you why that was because that person went to the media. They didn't go to the league. They went to the media. Yep. And then it became a league and I'm not, And I'm not going to sit here and say all 31 of those owners have uh, skeletons, know, skeletons in their closet. Each this, and every one of their yeah. closet. But each one of them hire somebody connected with something bad and they all know it they all know it because look washington's had that stuff going on when gruden was there and stuff they have a whole different coaching staff now and all those coaches have gone on to different teams and then it you know if if gruden's been doing this for so long and we're not we're going back all these like it's it's so in the league i mean gruden has been at tampa bay and oakland and on monday night football and he's going to every monday night football venue and he's has all his connections and his all the coaches that he coached with back in Green Bay, and you, th- you think Gruden's the only one talking that way? You think Gruden's the only one saying inappropriate things that way? No. And then going to Washington, the culture there and the and the crimes that are happening, not just, and, and as bad, I'm not saying not just, but, you know, Gruden's getting pinned for verbal and written harsh things. Washington's investigation is about physical things that have happened. And, and so, yeah, we're thinking Washington's the only, no. No. And now we're covering up the one that we actually do have some smoke about. Nah. Yeah, I just, you know, you can give up on watching something because of people taking knees, but this is an actual reason to give up on watching something. I, I agree. It's it's so, so troubling. And, and again, it goes to the – what you and I talk about all the time when it comes – to these players when they get in trouble with the law and it's like, oh, well, you know, they deserve a second chance. And I, hey, you know what? I'm all for second chances. But maybe your second chance isn't that you get to keep making millions of dollars in the NFL or Not Major League Baseball or 
whatever. Um, your your second chance is you get to walk free and try, you know, do the right thing this time and don't do that again. That's maybe that's the second chance is after you've paid for your crime, you have a second chance at life to not do it again, which hopefully you won't. It's sad that you need a second chance for something like that, but it's to wrap up because it's been a long episode and I've, I've drawn this out too, but it's why when the stuff at JMU was going on that we talked about a few years ago with Riley Stapleton, it's why it was hard to root for him because it's hard to hear what happened there and his defense be, I don't remember what happened. And then JMU just be like, Oh, you know what? You're suspended for two games. And then, you know, all's forgiven. Um, that's hard. It's hard when you see somebody like, well, the NFL will hold up Ray Rice. It's like, see, we care about this. Uh, okay. Well, I see Kareem hunt running on the field. Um, Oh, I've seen I, so many guys. I see so many yeah. other players running on the field, uh, scoring touchdowns or sacking the quarterback or whatever that have. Because Ray wasn't scoring touchdowns anymore. Yeah, Ray. Yeah, I, and you know, again, it's yeah, it, that's what it is. It's Ray Rice. They didn't think Ray Rice brought enough of an ability to win. That's why Ray Rice isn't on an NFL team. Sadly, it's not because of what he did. It's because of that. Or Wallace Chapman, what he did. He won a World Series for the Cubs. He committed domestic violence before that. After, yeah, the I was reason say, he was on the Cubs was because that. of that. Yeah, and it's, huh. yeah, it's upsetting. It, it is so upsetting, and that's why it's sometimes so bothersome when you when you read this stuff about players. And I I want to you know blindly love sports and all that, but it it gets to be so hard when when this kind of stuff happens, and then you're just and, and I'll circle back one last time to all the people who say, well, why don't they, you know, why didn't these people come out sooner? Why do these people? You're, you're looking at, you're focusing on the wrong thing. These people went through something very traumatic that I hope I never go through, and I hope no one that I know ever has to go through. But when you're sitting there, and, and with this Deshaun Watson investigation going on, Leland, these people are getting death threats for coming forward. They're getting death threats because they're saying what they're alleging Deshaun Watson did to them. And with that number, what's the conversation around Deshaun Watson this the past few weeks? Where he's getting traded, where he's going to play. Yep. Is that team can that team put him on the field? Yep. Yep. That's what's wrong. Yeah. That's, That's what's like, wrong. We're having you know. the wrong conversation about this kind of stuff. The conversation shouldn't be, "Oh, who's going to trade for Deshaun Watson?" It should be, wow, that's an awful lot of people saying he did this thing. Why is the NFL taking so long to investigate this? Because they sure seem to wrap up that Washington football team investigation awful quick to decide not to release it. So, and, and, I mean, and you know, Levitard not just sports, too. Yeah, schools, Levitard said this. Schools and, get wrapped up in this Oh, yes, too. they do. But yeah, Levitard said this, and he was exactly right. When it's the employees, it's different than when it's the employer. Kind of what you yep. said. Dan Snyder's the owner, so we're not going to embarrass the owner. We'll embarrass John Gruden. We'll embarrass Deshaun Watson. We'll embarrass these other people, but we will not embarrass Dan Snyder. That's what's wrong. 
So that, that'll do it for us here on the Yak Sports Podcast. Hopefully, uh, hopefully these kind of stories. Uh, well, I mean, hey, t- hey no, 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 no. The talking about it like this is what is how it changes. Yeah, hopefully and, it yeah, does. We don't change. have the reach. Hopefully we don't it, have the reach. Yeah, but this we got to talk about it openly and say that it's wrong, and we all have to agree that this is wrong. Because if anybody doesn't think it's wrong, you need to hear people saying the opposite of you, so you you get into your head yeah. that it is. But and, I, I, don't, I like to think our listeners generally think this is wrong, but this is like, us talking about it is our encouraging you to talk about it. Go out and have these conversations because there's people in this world that don't think this is wrong or just start justifying it. It's wrong. We got it. We got to leave this place better than we got it. And I got little people sitting out sleeping over in this house that need this world better than the way it is right now. And so this is why we're talking about it. This, you know, this is skirting off of what we like to talk about in sports, but it's important to talk about this openly and just present it as frank as it is that this stuff is wrong and it's got to be better and we got to do better. We got to demand better. We got to, you know, maybe it means the best players and the sports owners and the teams as we know it change because of blowing this thing up. Then let's have some downtime. Let's have some hard time to get to better. And it's something we can all sit and enjoy and watch together and feel better about than what we do right now. And, and as much as I, you know, you might say it's that team or that league or this country, it isn't. This is worldwide. This is in America. This, I mean, English soccer has all kinds of this stuff going on. And every biggest league in every different country is going to have this. We got we to gotta do better as people. Yeah. And, and again, like, I love the Orioles. I've said on this podcast numerous times, I want the Orioles to win a World Series in my lifetime. And I think Mike Elias might be the right GM for that to happen. But if something were to happen where, and it doesn't have, you know, we, I won't bring up Mike Elias' name because it's not fair to him. But if whoever was in charge of the Orioles was doing such a phenomenal job and it looked like they were going to win the World Series and it was all but official and something like this happened, I want that person to get fired immediately. And if that meant we didn't win the World Series, then so be it. Because I, I just think, like I've said numerous times during this segment, there's, there are more important things in sports. And until we as a society can grasp that, I, I think that's your problem. I, when you want to say, well, that's what's wrong with this country, that's what's wrong with this country. We prioritize the wrong things. Human beings and the well-being of other human beings should always be our top priority. It should never be secondary to my team winning or you know, the school I went to looking good or, you know, whatever. Human beings being okay, feeling safe, that should be top priority. End of story. I agree. All right. That was enough late night yakking. During that time, I also remembered the things we didn't talk about in this podcast. We'll talk about them next week. Thank you all for sticking with us. Make sure you're spreading the word of, Uh, how to communicate with us, and where to follow us. And we'll be back next week with a lot of high school football talk here on the Yak Sports Podcast. You've been listening to Yak Sports, your Augusta County sports podcast.